0: Changes that historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The End Times Continue.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to The End Times Continue. Uh, Recording on this, the 23rd of October... I am Dino, and you are? I am Ace. Oh, how's it going today, my dude?
0: Ah, oh, it's going pretty good. Man, it's a, it's a week until Halloween. It <laughs> is! But when people listen to this, it'll be a week until Halloween. So, yeah. Uh, man.
1: Yeah, I, 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 love, I love Halloween. My girlfriend hates yeah. it, but I like it a lot. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> I really do! Hey, I appreciate never- it it's a spooky season. You never know when an infinite glizzy is just going to pop out onto your timeline. Randomly. Oh my God, dude. Um, she
1: was so angry.
0: <laughs> she was seeing it everywhere. And it really did. Like it really bothered. her.
1: She saw it in grayscale. Cause she keeps uh, her phone in grayscale. Um, oh no. <laughs> and so she saw it in grayscale and she was like, this is horrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I had uh, I had some friends who were doing terrible things to that image. I won't indict any of them right now on the podcast, but they were doing some pretty horrific things to that image, making it even worse than it already is. And for people who don't know, just uh, you know, Google, in, go on Twitter and type in search "infinite glizzy." Um, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, it, it, it was going around uh, the the tweeter uh, the other day. Yeah, so it's the worst. It's, uh, it's horrific. It is a horrific looking. Thing. Um,
1: but yeah, it yeah. reminded me of. I didn't feel too bad for her because it, it. Ultimately, it reminded me of a TikTok that she forced me to watch, with a, and this is fucking disgusting. Um, oh my god! A, a, a woman who uh, does bikini waxes. Okay. Um. Oh. And like, okay, so she kept the wax like casts. That she had pulled off of women's labia with the hair all in it and posted it on TikTok with their profession. Yeah, it was fucking disgusting. And I sat there in silence after she showed it to me and I told her, I told her that I'm going to bomb a data center
0: because.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because I was forced to witness that.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have a war on TikTokers. Uh, no no, no <laughs> surrender, no compromise.
1: None. It was the, it's one of the worst things we have seen, and it actually, the, it looked rather like an infinite glizzy, so it's.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's,
1: that's, it's the worst thing,
0: and karma so. Karma just led up to that moment. That exactly, the, uh, the and process. so she yeah. deserved yeah.
1: it. She deserved it for showing me that TikTok. She absolutely <laughs> deserved it. Um, man. It is. It is coming up on Halloween. I'm very, very excited about it. I have not seen Hocus Pocus 2, and I don't think I want to.
0: Oh, yeah. A lot of things with those, you know, those sequels like sometimes the sequels can be good, like sequels that come out really long. Sometimes they are good, but a lot of times I feel like it can almost like ruin the experience of the prior movie. It doesn't have to. You don't have to let it. But sometimes it can tarnish, you know, the it can. Uh, experience it, you had.
1: Those kinds of sequels are good when they're made with love and appreciation for the original film right. and, and, and everything that right. like the original film did that made it
0: cool and a cultural touchstone. The new Top Gun sequels are a good example of that. Actually. Exactly
1: exactly um but this this feels like a bet midler cash-in like it it feels mm-hmm. it doesn't feel pure just seeing like mm-hmm. the trailers and stuff it just doesn't feel pure so i'm i'm yes. i'm hesitant to watch it because hocus pocus is a part of my childhood man i watch that show or that movie all the time
0: right it's like the blues brother sequels you just don't do it yeah you just don't watch them exactly yeah
1: um Okay. So, uh there's not too much going on. That's doesn't that's not like you would think that in the lead up to the midterms and and you tell me if you're getting this vibe as well. It feels very dull.
0: Yeah, so I, I was just going to point this out too because like I don't know if it's just my timeline is curated in a certain way where I'm just not seeing much of it. And that's possible, but I just have not seen anyone like actively, you know, promoting political candidates in any way. And again, no. that could just be because my timeline's curated but they, I don't even see news about it. No, like, I all don't I've even see it yeah, I this. follow
1: mainstream news and I'm not seeing anything yeah, other too. than like every now and then there's a story on Fetterman.
0: Yeah, if, if, if someone didn't constantly remind me, oh, it's a midterm this year. It's I wouldn't remember. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. No, uh, it, 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 it's, yeah. It seems
1: like people wow. are just, like, not excited about it yeah. um, at all, which is very strange to me because this is supposedly, like, this is supposed, I mean, this is a midterm, right? It's a big deal. Whoever controls the legislature controls the government effectively. Right. So this idea... And especially
0: that, things with, like, you know, Roe being overturned earlier in the year and other things like that, you would think that there would be a lot more... And look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just blind to it. I'm not saying it's right. not there. It's certainly a possibility. I don't see any... I don't see any energy coming from any of these political bases like I usually would uh, in no, the midterm. I don't um, either. It's very I, weird. I'm not,
1: seeing, I'm not seeing anyone excited. I'm not seeing anybody uh, really even discussing anything. Like, I'm not, it's just, I'm not. <laughs> Again, it, like you said, it could just be that I'm, that I'm very much in a bubble. And it's certainly, mm-hmm. certainly possible. But even from the mainstream sources that I do follow and keep up with and stuff, I'm not seeing much. Mm-hmm. There's people arguing about polls, but outside of that, I, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing any activity. I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if people are kind of resting on their laurels a little bit after the big Biden win. You know what I mean? Seems to
2: me like. Yeah, that's I, a- I like- yeah, it's just it.
0: weird to me, like, no, no, I was just I was just going to piggyback on what you're saying pretty much. But I'm I'm just saying, like, it just seems weird to me that, you know, especially I, I would I would have expected after Roe v. Wade was overturned. I would have expected just like nonstop, you know, political mobilization from the left uh, and from the right, too, obviously. Because sure. right? they want to secure their win there. But like the. uh. I've just not seen it at all, and it's really befuddling to me. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just blind to it. Maybe maybe I've done a, very, a pretty good job of curating my timeline, as I said. But right. it's weird. Like Even on the news, I don't really hear about it much. So it, it's weird.
1: It's very strange. It is, it is exceedingly strange. I'm, I'm seeing other stuff that's bubbling up to the surface. For example, and one yeah. of the things that we were going to talk about today, the Alex Jones thing. Um, oh, yeah. That's oh. something everybody's talking about. I talked about it a little bit on uh, Rebel with a Cause. Um, but there are updates I on saw that, that story. Was very
0: good.
1: Well, I I told him I didn't know that he limited it to an hour, and I told him afterward I was like, "Man, I'm I'm sorry if I if I uh, if I knew I only had an hour, I I would have shut up and let you talk a little bit." <laughs> I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I talked about a little bit there. Talked a little bit about the fact that it was a uh, so one of the things that I I really wanted to say there, and that I I I will repeat here. For all of the people who are going on about how this is a free speech issue, you are ostensibly correct. The, every defamation case is a free speech issue. It's, it's all, there's always a First Amendment angle. Yeah. But we never got a trial. This case was not decided on the merits of the claim. Um, these were default judgments against Alex Jones in every single one of these cases.
0: Right. So, and didn't he only? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't, didn't the only reason he had to go to this, like, uh, what would you call it, a hearing? It's not necessarily a trial. Is it a trial? Would you consider it a trial? This is a different phase. So, uh,
1: this is something you see a lot in criminal
0: uh,
1: proceedings, especially in states like Texas. Um, there are two phases to something like this. The first is. The merits of the case in criminal, it would be the guilt, innocence phase in, uh, in civil. It's, uh, the liability phase. You determine whether or not the person is liable for the, uh, for the tort for the cause. And and then you follow that up with the damages phase where the jury or the judge or a, some combination will determine damages, uh, after you've determined that liability applies. If in that first phase you determine that there is no liability, well, then the second phase never happens. There's no damages, right?
0: Did, yeah, didn't uh, didn't Alex Jones like only get to the actual damage phase because that of is, the technicality or something? That, he, that is I all predict- these
1: proceedings are are the damages phase because he had default judgments against him in the liability phase. Right. Um. Those default judgments were the result of non-compliance with discovery which in right, some right. case, and I've heard people arguing about that. Some of the, some of the people, some people are claiming that it was entirely based on the fact that he did not hand over documents relating to the business, which, um, yes, that would be refusal to comply with discovery that yes, you have to turn that shit over. Um, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I've seen people argue that some of those default judgments were the result of the fact that he didn't turn over video and footage from that time period in Infowars, and his argument was, well, our archive was YouTube and Facebook. Like, our archive was all these places that we got kicked off of. We don't have an archive Mm -hmm. anymore. So that, to me, is a good argument. But I'm not sure if... So, I, I say all that to say, I do not know the basis of all of the default judgments that were made. Um, but I do know that there was no case tried on the merits here because of those default judgments. He never got to present a free speech defense. Right. right. Because he, it was determined that he was liable without his involvement. Right. Um. Again, as a result of not complying with discovery, whatever you think of that, right. right? That people are arguing about that too, but whatever. Right.
0: So it, it, you know, it is a free speech issue, but that was not the merits of the case itself. Like that was not uh, what we saw. Like recently at his damage phase, that was that's something else.
1: People are presenting this as if Alex Jones lost a free speech case, and that is right, simply right. not true. He was never able yeah. to offer a free speech defense. Because that phase of these proceedings, uh, he he was it was it was adjudicated against him with without his involvement. He was never able to present that defense right. because it was a, it was a default judgment.
0: Right. So and, and, I mean, me personally, like you know, speaking for myself as an anarchist, I don't. I, I would not view defamation as an actual no. like, whore, crime or tort, whatever you want to call it. Actionable in that way, but it's important to make the distinction that he was. This was not like a free speech issue on trial type thing. This was just a normal proceeding that happens. Now, obviously, the damages were not normal. No, uh, but the proceeding was.
1: Yes, and and one of the and just like with Stephen Kinsella's thread about it, which I talked a little bit on *Honorable the Cause*, but the uh, the, like Stephen Kinsella's thread. I agree at a high level that defamation Mm -hmm. should probably not be actionable. Right. I I agree with that at a high level. Um, things like, because you don't really need defamation as a general cause of action when you have things like tortious interference with a contract. Like if you Mm -hmm, like where for tortious interference with a contract, if someone has a business relationship with someone else and you call up one of those two people in that relationship and start badmouthing the other guy and say he's terrible and he's all these other things and you take that business relationship, that contractual business relationship that is formed or was forming um, away from one of those parties, that's a cause of action. And I think that's a good cause of action.
0: Um, and you can contractually like stipulate that in the contract, like that you make.
1: Sure. Well, it's interference with the making of the contract itself. Oh, right, right. So you're, so what you're doing when you, when you do that, when you have tortious interference with a contract, you have somebody who has decided that they are going to swoop in and stop this business relationship from happening. And they are, yeah. by, in, in doing so, they are impeding the rights of those two individuals to deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's sort of where that comes from. And I, I think that fills the need that defamation ultimately has. Because I, I agree with Stephen Kinsella. You don't have a right to yeah. other people's thoughts. You know what I mean?
0: Right. It's just like, like you're... And again, when we're when we were saying like you know you know, whether you have a right to something or not, we're not necessarily saying that's good or bad, right? So before right. I say this, I'm not saying just because I'm saying I don't think someone has a right to their reputation necessarily or how they're viewed in other people's eyes, it doesn't mean I'm supporting people slandering other people or being <coughs> libelous or right, blaming them in some way.
1: Right. Well, I mean, if if someone, I mean. If someone slanders you, you have every right to call them out on that fact and and, exactly. and yeah. do the same thing right back and say, this person's exactly. a liar and they're saying these things yeah. about me. And yeah, you have every right to do that. Yep. But that's the thing. So, but in this case too, I'll go a little bit further and I will say, I think Alex Jones probably given defamation, given its existence, given it as a cause of action, he probably did deserve some to lose some of these. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say every single one because again, we never got a trial on the merits, but it, it's, you know, it, he probably would have lost some of these regardless. Um, but in any case, at least the people that he called out specifically. But in any case, um, what's ridiculous about this, and if you think the default judgments are ridiculous, fine. I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't know enough about where those came from. But I just know they existed. What, what I'm saying is what's, what, what is the most insane part of this is that the judgments against him have been outrageous. The first one was nuts, but not that nuts.
0: Uh Uh-huh. The first one was what? what Was it 50 million? I think it was something like that. Then they kept stacking up.
1: Well, you got, I think in that first case, you had like three plaintiffs. So 50 million, three plaintiffs. It's not, that's crazy, but it's not that crazy, right? He certainly doesn't have it, but it's not that crazy. Um... This most recent judgment (laughs) in the, I believe it was the Connecticut uh, cause against him. This most recent judgment was uh, a billion dollars, basically. Yeah. 960 something million dollars. Yeah. And now uh we have this story you uh you found a source from the independent but it's being reported everywhere independent uh reports sandy hook families want alex jones to pay up to 2.75 trillion dollars in damages as he seeks a new trial the families want the judge to award the highest possible punitive damages on top of the jury's compensatory uh recommendation uh, they argue that additional damages are warranted on top of a nearly $965 million jury award for compensatory damages because Jones also broke a state law barring the sale of products using false statements. So what that is, is that is a state law which creates a cause of action for false statements, uh, selling, uh, selling products with false statements, which allows what is called treble damages. And right, treble so damages... There's uh, a fraud... It's, it's it basically it's fraud. Yeah, it would be kind of similar to what people conceive of as like false advertising. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's selling products in connection with false statements. So the what what this what this statute would allow for is what's called treble damages. And that basically means you just take the compensatory damages, the regular damages award, and you triple it. And that's your uh, punitive
2: damages. Oh, Yeah.
1: That's treble damages.
2: (laughs) So, yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's where this number comes from. This two point seven five trillion dollar number comes from treble treble damages on nearly on nearly a billion dollars.
0: Besides, wait a minute. I don't even. So obviously, you know, they want that. It's not that he's having to pay that. But if that did happen, would that be the most expensive payout from a trial in history?
1: As far as I know um even
0: pfizer i think they paid what uh i don't even know what five the, the the famous like pfizer lawsuit that they had to pay out a huge oh uh, shit no money.
1: i'm sorry i was wrong about trouble damages that's that's from that federal law this one is okay i i, I did the wrong math on that um i was thinking about the federal the federal trouble damages statute oh uh-huh. no this state this is the state punitive damages statute what they did is they took the um there's a, there's a fine as part of this statute, It's $5,000 per uh, violation, okay? And they took that and multiplied it by the number of social media exposures that uh, it saw on Facebook. Holy
0: shit, so that's how they got the number. So then.
1: that's where they got that number. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm sorry, I was thinking of the federal statute. This is the state, this is the state statute that okay. allows, it's $5,000 per violation. Uh, And they just multiplied that by the number of people who saw it on Facebook.
0: But not even, wait, who just saw it, not even buying it, who bought it.
1: Yes, because it it doesn't have to do with buying the product. It has to do with selling the product with the false statements.
0: Oh, okay. It's not the
1: it's it's not just that you're harmed if you purchased it.
0: I see. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's a weird cause of action that's created by statute. Doesn't have a place in the common law.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha.
1: But this is the but that's how they got to that number. I'm sorry, I, I was thinking of the wrong statute. That is how they got to that number.
0: But that other statute is also kind of insane. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah trouble damages.
1: trouble damages applies in the in I think the federal version of this statute. Mm, okay. And I think it's usually used by the SEC. In fact, I think that's one of the things that uh, was at play in the GlaxoSmithKline case, um, which comes to mind because the GlaxoSmithKline case, I believe. And I could be mistaken, but I think that is the largest damages award ever uh, adjudicated in the United States. The GlaxoSmithKline case, false statements, illegal kickbacks, all this other stuff going on in the sale of antidepressants and other psychoactive drugs. Um, if I'm remembering this correctly, and they oh, ended Glaxo, up yes, yes, and they ended up paying. It was uh, about three billion dollars total. Two billion of that were in civil damages. So one billion of that yeah. was criminal penalties. Three, uh, two billion of that was in uh, was in civil damages. Right. So two point seven five trillion, and I think that's the biggest damages award ever, ever in the country.
0: It would have to be. I, I can't imagine any other like. And again, he hasn't actually. That isn't. He's not. They're going to try to do that, right? But they're that is what actually, the plaintiffs. Happen.
1: Yes, that is what the plaintiffs are asking for. Is the two point seven five trillion on the basis of this uh, the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices
0: Act? That is so insane! Like you have a a, a major pharmaceutical industry who paid out uh, what three billion, and they're asking Alex Jones for two point seven trillion. Yes, it is
1: fully eight percent clown show. It is eight point eight percent. I did the math. Eight point eight percent. Of the national debt.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> wow. They are asking for 8.8% of the national debt.
0: Just call up. Hey, yeah, can I get up? 8.8% mm, of the national debt. Thanks. Yes. Bye. Right.
1: You're getting, I mean, and here's the thing too. It's, it's one of these things where it's funny money and they know it because he's bankrupt right. after that first judgment. Yeah, he's liquidated,
0: right? Like he's he's, just he's like, done. Just,
1: he he was yeah. he was bankrupted before that first judgment even came down. They're not <laughs> Infowars filed for bankruptcy before that first judgment.
0: Right? They're like they're like no. Now we got to pump these numbers higher <laughs> just for, oh, unbelievable!
1: It's entirely fake. It's entirely fictitious. Yeah. It's designed to send. A, it's designed to make a statement. It's people a are message. never going to see yeah. a dime of this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the it's a and, and one of the problems and this is what I think Kinsella kind of nailed uh, more so even than his position on defamation as a cause of action, which, yes, again, at a high level, I agree with. But the but uh, it, what he kind of nailed was that this is being spun as is a statement that you can't lie like this. And it's like, no, it's not. There wasn't a trial. All right. It was never determined whether or not you can lie like this. All that was determined is that you right. can't not comply with discovery. Right. That's all that was determined at, at trial. on The merits of the case. The merits of the case were never tried. Mm-hmm. So this is, one of the, this is one of the more ridiculous things I've seen, and it really, really pisses me off. It really pisses me off because the system of civil justice is the only real justice system that we have because the system of criminal justice is not a justice system. It does not accomplish justice. Um the the system of of civil justice is the only real justice system that we have and shit like this is why people don't take it seriously
0: yeah a hundred percent yeah because they just see this and like oh this is obviously insane like everyone can see this is insane like even i I would have to admit that like i I would have to imagine that even people who don't like alex jones have looked at this and think this is an insane ruling like absolutely insane yeah if they end up getting this if they get this it's crazy yeah
1: like, <laughs> Absolutely crazy. There's, wow. no, there's, yes. no, there's no way that you can possibly award this. And the, yeah, no. the, it, 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 that's one of the things that really, really makes me mad is I love the civil justice system. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think juries are really good at damages. I mean, on the whole, juries tend to be super good at determining what damages are, especially when was they a, get... there
0: a, a jury a, a, here? Or the
1: jury, it? I believe, in the Connecticut case... And I could be mixing it up with one of the Texas cases, but I believe in the Connecticut case, the jury awarded the damages of the, um, the actual, the, the, the compensatory damages, The, okay. the damages that are related to compensating them for the tort. Right. Not the ones that come from any statute. And there were something like 12, uh, plaintiffs in this case. So, and, and the different plaintiffs got different amounts of that nearly a billion dollars, which is still a ridiculous amount of money, but... Yeah. So, the, you know, you, you, there's, you have to do a little bit of math, but juries tend to be pretty good at awarding damages. Mm-hmm. And what really bums me out about this is they're using the civil justice system as a cudgel in an attempt to punish yeah. somebody for lying lying in air quotes
0: right of the civil system it's to make a statement about someone or something like that It's that's not the purpose of it's not
1: to punish the purpose of the civil system is to make a victim whole right not to punish a perpetrator yeah if you want to punish people go to the criminal system
0: yeah it's right down the hall obviously just just seems like a witch hunt against Alex. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like even if you hate Alex Jones, I feel like you have to admit that. Like, this is just insane, bonkers numbers. Uh, it's just wild.
1: And and their failure, frankly, I think Alex. Ah, look, Alex, I believe, and I and again, I mentioned this on the uh, Rebel Rebel with a Cause show, but Alex, I believe, went through something like eleven attorneys mm. through the through all these cases. It's been years and years. That. Yeah, it's been years that they've been filed and they've been in discovery and yeah, all this other stuff. I have a feeling Alex Jones is very hard to work with. Um uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me a bit. Uh usually you don't go through 11 attorneys in a single <laughs> or even in a set of civil actions. You're not going to go through 11 attorneys. <laughs> um so uh, the abnormality of that uh, would 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 suggest to me that Alex Jones is very very hard to work with as a client. And I think it's very possible that that the lack of com- that not complying with discovery and getting those default judgments. it, it would it, I think it is possible that that's on him individually, not mm-hmm. his legal team, not his attorneys. Attorneys know what happens when you don't comply with discovery. <laughs> you know what I mean? right. so but but in any case, just like this, the, this idea that this is a statement, you can't lie like this, it, it says nothing about that. It's, yeah. It, this isn't about a case where somebody lied. That was never determined. There, mm-hmm. was, there, there was no, there, again, there was no trial on the merits here. But in any case, the, the, the asking, for, asking for 8.8% of the national debt As a result (laughs) of statutory damages is,
2: uh, it's not what the civil justice system is for.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's just not. And you can't, and it, it falls right in line with the narrative that people have about the hot coffee case, for example
0: right exactly just like oh all these absurd you know uh payouts and and stuff like this this one actually is an absurd payout and some of the others are not right you think they might be
1: right but it but it but it fuels that narrative i mean the 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 tort reform thing it's very easy for people to see some of the payouts that people get and and get oh we got to we got to do tort reform this is getting insane and stuff like that because of tort reform i was i was listening to an attorney the other day because of tort reform There are medical malpractice cases that are meritorious medical malpractice cases that you cannot find an attorney, an attorney to take up because it is not worth it because the amount of time and expenditure in a medical malpractice case, when you have, you have to bring in experts and you have to spend hours and hours doing research and all this other stuff, it is not economically viable to take a medical malpractice case in many places because of tort reform, because you cannot get a payout that's going to make it worth your time. And that's, and people, people push this idea of tort reform on the basis that people are getting paid these ridiculous amounts of money and look at the hot coffee case. But yeah, those things are, are, if you actually look into those things, they're not accurate. People's view of the hot coffee case is not accurate.
0: Right, um, exactly. Like they think it was just a normal coffee, not like it, that everyday coffee, like the um, like everyone has all the time. And she just well, spilled it. Right. And it's like, oh, now she's getting all this money from, you know, she, she's essentially, you know, uh, extorting McDonald's uh, right. or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Whatever you do, don't look up pictures of her legs. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> man, that was not a normal coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, contents are hot. Does not, and if the, I don't even know if that badge was on the cups at the time, but contents are hot does not mean contents will literally burn you so badly the skin sloughs off your legs. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it means hot, not uh, yeah. hot enough to kill Vagma. you. Magma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those things, uh, it, just, it just falls right in line with that sort of narrative. This idea that oh we got to get two point seven trillion dollars no you don't stop it you're making a mockery of the civil justice it's just system a
0: show yeah it's just like a show that's all
1: but I thought the same thing in the first Texas uh, before the fe- first Texas judgment came down when that one attorney that one plaintiff's attorney said uh, you have to send a message that you you this isn't that you have to send a message that he does, that he can't do this anymore you have to take away yeah. his platform. And it's like, you motherfucker.
0: Yeah, that's,
2: that's just, yeah. That's not what this is about. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, they're just trying to, like, you know, go after him politically. That's, that's yeah. all that was. Obviously.
1: Yes, it's politically yeah. motivated. It's politically motivated. It's motivated. Uh, it's not motivated by the things that motivate civil justice, it's motivated by politics, it's motivated by a desire to punish um it's motivated by uh by hate in like a very literal way like people hate this guy and so they want to punish him right so it's not i don't i just it kind of it hurts me it it
0: gets it also gets very like scary when that happens obviously you know there's idealized justice and then there's how justice is in the real world type right. thing right obviously it's it's not always one-to-one uh very off very often it's not but it's always like i've to me justice should always be like let's take the worst possible person imaginable and let's be also be as fair to him as possible to yes. me that is justice, right you yeah. take the worst. conceive let take the devil himself and let's respect his rights and You know, during the trial, giving, giving the the devil
1: himself his day in court.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. Uh, And to me, that when you go after him, even if you feel like you're right, even if this person is like an actual, like just scumbag, uh, you you should not use the justice system to like go after him in that way, because that's not what it's for.
1: Especially civil justice. We know we know that the criminal justice system is designed to punish We know that the criminal justice system is flawed. We've talked about it before. We've talked about anti-carceralism and all those other things. The civil justice system is supposed to be above that. The civil justice system is supposed to be about making people whole. And it's like, that's not what you're doing here. Right. And it's, again, like I said, but I do want to reiterate the point that I said earlier, which is this is not a case where the merits of a free speech defense were defeated because no such defense was ever given. The, that whole chunk of the case was decided without, uh, like, without looking at the merits of the case. He was, he was found to be liable without presenting a defense, without any of that. Like that he, they're, they're, this is not a quote-unquote loss for free speech in the sense that he made a free speech defense and lost the case. You know what I mean? Right. And I want to be very clear about that, because people have become very, very afraid. They think that this is like some weird precedential thing where it's like free speech is dead now and all such stuff. And it's like, no, there, there was no free speech case. It was never presented. Right. <laughs> right. So I do want to sort of get that out of people's heads a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could certainly say it's obviously politically motivated. Yes. But as you said, free speech was not on trial here uh, necessarily.
1: Nope never, never had an opportunity.
0: Now, I, I'm also sure I'm, I'm fairly confident in saying I'm sure these people would try to diminish free speech by going after people they politically don't like. Yes. Um, so I'm sure that is also true. Uh, so I just want to, like, make sure, like, people understand that, too. So, so, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, not not making excuses for plaintiffs who oh, try to yeah, silence yeah, yeah, other yeah, yeah. people. Um, right. But, but the other thing, too, is that I think on some of these, a free speech defense could have won um, on some of these, especially if you didn't call anybody out by name. Um, you know, people people who went unnamed, people who were not specifically called out. I think also it could make a difference. Some of these people who voluntarily, um, the you know, there's the difference in defamation law between uh defaming a public figure and defaming a private individual. And the difference in the law is that there's an extra element that's hard to meet when you're talking about a public figure or matters of public concern. And so for some of these people who took on now you, you can't be forced to be a public figure. Something terrible happens to you and you uh, are like, are thrust into a spotlight that doesn't make you a public figure. But some of these people, for example, voluntarily went and spoke on the floor of, of legislatures. They went on the news voluntarily and gave interviews. They, they went and they did things like this that you could argue makes them a public figure of their own volition voluntarily and brings in that extra element that maybe he could have won on some of those, too. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So, so it seems to me that, that, you know, had he actually presented a defense, he could have won against several of these plaintiffs. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe not all of them, but several of them, perhaps. Uh, of course, we can't say for sure, because there was never an actual trial. <laughs> right. But just like that, this, this, this idea of 2.75 trillion dollars in a, in a, as I don't see how the court doesn't see that and isn't just insulted by it, right? Are you you kidding me? You think I'm going to award this? That's insane.
0: And, and when will we know if it. they actually do award it? Like, how, when, when will that take place? Or, like, what is the procedure, I guess, for that?
1: It will be whenever the final order in this case comes. Um, I gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's, let's scroll to the bottom of this. Uh, what was the publication date on this piece here? I should see that before uh,
0: I. This was one day ago. Oh, well, sweet.
1: Okay. So that would, that would have been on the 22nd. Um, yep. Let me let me scroll down here because I did see uh, da da da
2: da. Uh, Jones's lawyer,
1: Jones claims he's bankrupt. Of course, he is. Uh, (laughs) I did see somewhere what the Uh, Okay, Judge Bellis has the final say on the amount. She has previously said that he violated the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act by selling supplements or Survivor Gear during his Infowars shows featuring his false claims about what happened at Sandy Hook. Um, Jurors were not asked to consider CUTPA and were only asked to calculate defamation and emotional distress damages after Judge Bellis ruled in a separate proceeding that Jones had defamed the families. That was the default judgment. Um, Found liable by default. Uh, during the trial... Uh, Judge Bellis has scheduled hearings for early next month to determine the amount of punitive damages. During the trial, victims' relatives said... We, we, so we should probably know by the end of next month. That's probably when a final judgment will come. Okay. During the trial, victims' relatives said in often emotional testimony that they were threatened and harassed for years by people who believe the lies told on Jones. show. here's another problem with this. I, again, if Jones had just got himself in a position to provide a defense... Honestly, yeah. I'm just as mad at Alex Jones as anyone else with regard to this. There's no excuse for getting yeah. default judgments. Really, there's none.
0: Yeah, um, you see, from my understanding, he didn't play ball and didn't try to defend himself at all last time. Uh, like in the per, like prior to the judgment phase,
1: he didn't. He, he didn't comply with discovery. There were there were things he didn't yeah. turn over. Um, and I'll I'll tell you the truth. I'm not convinced. Uh, on the basis that that he couldn't turn those things over on the basis of I don't have them. I don't think that's true. Uh, I think he did have the stuff, and, and if he didn't have it, if it truly didn't exist, you can just tell the court that. You can just tell the court in an affidavit, it's sworn under oath, I don't have this. When YouTube shut me down, that was my archive. I don't have these things. Um, and you could, there would be no legal reason for a default judgment in, that, in, that, in a case like that. So honestly, I think this, these defaults from my from where I sit, these defaults are Alex's fault, and and it's and it's his own fault. He wasn't able to present a defense, um, unless his legal team gave him gave him very bad advice. <laughs> right. Which I I don't know. There's some shitty lawyers out there. But yeah, it's uh... possible. It's uh, <laughs> but, you know. um. But in any case, just like that, he could have said, look, a possible defense is this. I'm not responsible for what
0: InfoWars viewers do. Right. Then that's an exa- a very fair uh, argument. I never told them to harass these people. If they did,
1: yeah. sue them. Sue right. the people who actually harassed you. Sue the people who actually ran you out of town. If anyone actually right. did, which I don't think has been proven, <laughs> whatever spin it however you want but the argument the is that you're
0: responsible for what your followers do exactly kind of, it's just insane to me i don't buy it at all
1: right exactly but again Unless you're like literally never really
0: ordering them and instructing them on what to do throughout the whole process and like do this 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 and then they do it then you can be responsible well but look if, you're if, just if, like if he
1: stuff, sat up there and told people run these people out of town these people are these people should not be allowed to be your neighbors you got to run them out of town immediately i mean right. that's different
2: <laughs> You know what I mean? hmm That would be different, but it's uh
1: I don't I, I don't think I don't for example, I mean your look, your Twitter account is is it's I mean not huge, but it's big, right? You're not responsible yeah, really, for every yeah. single thing that, that, that one of your followers does. I mean if right. somebody what would you say if somebody took you to if, if one of your followers took I don't know a tweet that you sent out about infinite glizzies? And, like, dumped a bunch of infinite glizzies on some politician's porch and they sued them for, for, uh, for property damage or whatever. And they sued right. you for giving them the idea.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly, right. So at that point, then everyone is liable for suing because it, ideas transmit between people's heads all the time. Whenever that's that's just the nature of how ideas work. And now everyone is liable for everything because oh well, this idea came from this person, and this person got it from that person, and you know, an infinite chain. Exactly. There's no I I. I...
1: Anyway, I don't know why I'm playing at Alex Jones' fucking defense counsel, but. This is, uh, it's just, it just bums me out that we never got to actually see the trial because I think there were some really, really good matters of law to be settled here. Um, And questions of fact as well, but the false judgments, man. Can't do it. Can't let that happen. So, in any case, yeah, that's, uh, there's a little bit more there to sort of follow up on what I said on on Rebel with a Cause. I recommend going and listening to that, too, because I talked a lot more about that billion dollar judgment on uh, Rebel of the Cause. So I don't want to I don't want to go deep into that here because I talked yeah. about it there and I don't want to yeah. you know, take that content away from that sure. show, that appearance.
0: Yeah, um, you, should go, you guys should after you guys listen to this, you guys should you guys uh, should go watch that. It's very, very good. It
1: was, it was fun. I like Eric a lot.
0: Yeah, he's a good guy.
1: Um, OK. So that's that, and then there's also, so again, that's one of those things that that people are talking about instead of the midterms, Um, but it's not like they're not trying. This is something that you hadn't seen, which kind of surprised me that you hadn't seen this come across the TL
0: yeah no I, I I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just my timelines like curated in a certain way, but yeah, I had not seen this at all, so go ahead and uh, take this away.:
1: I don't know like Liberty Twitter and anarchist Twitter was talking about it. It's possible you just missed it, but yeah. the 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 it, it's I, I thought it was fascinating because a bunch of these resistor accounts on Twitter, uh the big ones, like the Brooklyn Dad thing, where the guy looks like uh you if you put an extra 30 years on Tim Pool, that's what this guy looks like <laughs> in a beanie with a stupid jacket. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was invited with a bunch of resist Twitter
2: to the White House. Oh, my God.
1: They went to they were invited to the White House. And I saw some people saying, like, well, why? Like, why is this even happening? It's like, because they're agents. Like, because they're...
0: (laughs) They are federalist agents. That's why.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's because they're... Because they are mouthpieces for the regime.
0: For legal reasons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But they're, 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 they're mouthpieces for the regime. These big resist accounts and stuff. These are, these are people who are, uh, in my opinion, these are people who are given their talking points by the regime and they repeat them ad nauseum on the internet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you go through that, uh, Brooklyn dad, his uh, Twitter account, which I thought was a fake account. I, I thought that was just a fake account. I thought the profile picture was a fake person. You know like one of those ai generated people or just like some stock photo or something right i didn't know that was a real person and it actually is uh you know i was like oh so he's either serious about it or he's just you know paid to be you know uh idiot um sure
1: so, i don't know if they're being but, paid yeah. i certainly hope they are because if you're doing this shit for free you're an idiot yeah
0: yeah That is like, <laughs> like- Every single narrative, every time there's some media narrative, they are on top of it immediately. Like, word for word lockstep, right? Yeah. Uh, so, And even when it's contradictory, they will contradict their old posts and not show any signs that they had any logical transition from one idea to the other. No, just straight up contradictions from their old posts. And, you That's know, I'm not upset about that. The, the contradiction is the, the consistency in some sense uh, here. So it's... um. It's, but it's yeah, one, of they, they yeah, reveals, one of those things that
1: kind of reveals is one of those things that to your point, though, about the contradiction and the constant sort of flip flopping that they do on messaging. It, it, it's what reveals that these aren't thinking people. These aren't like these these aren't people with thoughts and philosophies and, and filtering things through a worldview and, and, and then having a take. That's not what's happening here. What they do is they are given a talking point And then they go on Twitter to say it. Does yep. that make sense? i mean it's yes, it seems yes, to yes. me that's the only thing that makes sense with how inconsistent they are logically. Mhm you know what I mean? yep you you said you were scrolling through his his account. It's so just scrolling through it. every single one of his tweets
2: is like a topical talking point
0: yeah. yeah. every single one. like whenever there's any like. Like it's not like you know, there's some accounts. It's I'm not saying that if you have opinions that align with the media, that therefore you're some like federal agent. That's that's not my argument. My argument is that if you only change your opinion once the news changes, uh, it's it's talking points. Then you're likely just a pl- like some plant or something probably. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Well, uh, you're you're, and I don't even mean that they are literally on the the White you know, House payroll yeah. and stuff. I'm I'm saying like yes, if you're. you're if you're an agent for something,
0: you're, you actually, they are, Yeah, and, and, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like a, it's, it's like they're, they're functioning as, uh, yes. as propaganda mouthpieces for, uh, for the regime. And I, I don't think this goes one way either. I think you get this with like, um, well, for example, like Trump and stuff like that. I think you had mm-hmm. people like diamond and silk, for example um who were hilarious i love them (laughs) but they're shills in the exact same same way way. oh yes Yes. they're hilarious (laughs) 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 but they are uh but they're they're shills in the same way you know what i mean
0: yep yep
1: but as far as i know were they actually invited to the white house i think they were i thought because not they have a picture with trump they may well have been and it's the same thing You know, maybe yeah. this goes back to ooh 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 ooh, I'm just thinking of something. I'm just kind of making a connection here. Um so Justin Robert Young has contended in the past that where Kennedy was the the candidate who first utilized television.
0: Yes. To the yes. fullest extent. Basically won won him the election. You
1: yes. Know. I mean he was the guy, they put together packages with VCRs and like recorded tapes on VCRs, they, they, they were the first campaign to own a VCR, and they mm-hmm. would record their packages on tapes and send them to local uh, news outlets, like affiliates, um, mm-hmm. and, and they, those tapes would be played on that affiliate station, like that's, they were doing that kind of thing, and it was the first time that had yeah. been done. Right. Justin Robert Young has contended in the past, again, I, I don't know if he's changed his position on this, but. That that Donald Trump was the first candidate to do that with Twitter.
0: Yeah, no, I I I do buy that. People often, you know, question like, okay, how much of Donald Trump's win came from Twitter? I think a good amount. Yeah, like I genuinely think that Twitter won him the election because remember he did not beat Hillary by much. Like, honestly, it, it was it was a close race. It wasn't a, a complete blowout like like state to state. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a landslide. So I do think his social media presence absolutely pushed him over the edge. Right. Uh,
1: 100%. And and with people like Diamond and Silk and personalities that got big on Facebook in particular, yeah. I, I, I think Diamond and Silk actually got big on Facebook before they went anywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. It was that kind of thing where, it's like, you know, you got a lot of boomers on Facebook. Um, and so the, that, that to me, I, I think this is a continuation of that where it's like now candidates know yeah. that that's the playbook.
2: Yep. Just like they did after Kennedy.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. So it seems to me like this is just continuing that trend and we're going to see right, more exactly. of it.
0: And obviously, you know, if you're a person uh, pursuing political power, you obviously want good press, you want the media on your side, but now the media has shifted into a different form, whereas before you had the big three channels, and then you started to kind of like get more, a few more news stations over time. But then it, the Internet kind of changed that. And now social media is a huge part of. The, I, I don't know. I wouldn't I don't know if it's the majority yet. I would probably say and most people probably get their news from social media nowadays. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. But there's it's like certainly two, expanding.
1: There's kind of two primary. There's a few primary ways that people get it. A lot of it's passively from like whatever they have on in the house. Fox News in the background, right. CNN in the back, stuff like that or at the bar, yeah. whatever's on at the bar or the airport. Um, A lot of it's passive like that. And then there's uh, stuff like people who never changed their homepage from MSN and that's how they get their news. They're just scrolling the MSN homepage right.
0: or even learning it from uh, other people on Twitter, like your uh, mutuals on Twitter. Or something that's
1: the other. That's kind of the other one is you open up Facebook or you open up Twitter and that's where you get your news. Yeah. Right. Um, that's those those kind of seem to be the three big ways that people get news. And it, it, there's a generational yeah. difference of things like that. But I think part of it, too. <coughs> I'm sorry. I have a cough switch. I don't know why I didn't hit it. Um, (laughs) I think part of it too, though, is that we are in such a low trust situation now where faith in institutions in the Mm -hmm. news media is low across the board.
2: Oh, yes. People are now...
1: People... The reason that new media works the way it does is because people trust personalities. Mm Mm-hmm. It's for the same reason that, like, Corridor... Like, you think about a channel like Corridor on YouTube. These people make incredibly intensive, really skillful, little short films that are well-thought-out, interesting ideas, lots of great artistic, creative CGI, and yet their focus is the Corridor crew channel. Why? Because people trust personalities, they follow personalities. Right. And so it seems to me like this is
2: just that applied to politics.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. Right. Going back uh, to kind of piggybacking off the personality thing, as you said, it's like it's much easier. Like if you can make someone like if you have an agenda, right. Um, And just purely from like a Machiavellian point of view, if you have an agenda that you want to promulgate throughout the masses, you're going to have a much better time at doing that if you can make it seem like you're someone's friend, right? Even if you're not. If yep. you can bring, come about the appearance of being, hey, I'm just some guy on the internet and I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, I'm telling you how it is, you know, rah, rah, rah. And they may be correct, right? But that's also people who are using that for devious means can also imitate that style and promulgate their own agenda um, through that means. They
1: can ape it or they can, or they mm-hmm. they legitimately are that they they are so um
2: psychologically fucked <laughs>
1: that they believe yeah. it you know what i mean like they like they're uh-huh. so psychologically fucked up that like for example somebody like brooklyn dad can say contradictory things one day after the next and and not realize it right and like yeah. there's no introspection there Mm-hmm.
2: I wonder if that's what Yeah, dude. I, I often wonder,
0: like, see, here's the thing I go back and forth with this sometimes I try, I'm like I, sometimes, I don't know I guess it's almost like I don't want to believe it but like, I, I guess you're right some people are just psychologically fucked in the head where they, <laughs> uh, where like, they do believe this bullshit and no matter right. how much you try to convince show them that uh, this is just like some either media narrative or it doesn't even make coherent sense. They, they will, you know, it's almost more comforting imagining that they're descriptors than thinking that they actually buy into the bullshit. You know what I mean? I would I'd be more comfortable if it turned out they were all descriptors. Yes, me too. Um, but when you find out that, oh, no, they're actually true believers in the shit's like, oof, that's scary. Uh, it is
1: easier when someone at their core is a liar. Yes. Like it's it's so much easier when someone in their deepest in the deepest parts of their being is just a liar than when they actually believe their bullshit. Yeah. Yep. Like that's the that's the worst part. The idea that someone deep inside themselves is a liar is something I can accept. No problem. People suck. I get it. That's fine. But the idea that somebody can, can be this way and buy it. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and Unthinkingly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying people who say wrong things, but they're thinking about it. I've always appreciated a thinker, even
0: right. if they're wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you can tell that they're like going through the motions, it's like, you know, yeah, I can respect that. Even if you come to the wrong conclusion, because at least you're trying. Yes. Right? <laughs> at least. Yeah. Right. Please. Yeah.
1: And it's not thoughtless. It's not thoughtless. It's just, it, it's just, you came to a wrong conclusion. I can accept that. No problem. <laughs> yeah. But this is the kind of thing that to me, uh, it just, it, it, it's, it's a little, it's not scary. It's just weird to see how the, I mean, like, just like this Brooklyn dad defiant, right? This is the new, this is, he's the new, not, I mean, it's not a national thing. He's not like the new Cronkite. But he's the new... You think about your local news guy. Exactly. Yeah. Like your, your local guy who goes on the news at 11 and tells you about, uh, about all the puppies that got adopted and all the murders that happened. Right? This is the, that's right. the guy you trust. He's telling you what happened down the street from you. That, that's what's being yeah. replaced by this type of personality. 100%. Yeah. It seems that way to me in any case.
0: Yeah, because nowadays, right, before you used to have, you know, because a long time ago, right, and even somewhat more recently, but a long time ago, your locality was based on your geographic area, where you were geographically, right? Yes. And obviously you tuned into the local news because you wanted to be informed about your local surroundings. But nowadays on social media, your locality is the parameters of your twitter sphere uh right
1: well it's just like we were talking about earlier with how we've kind of curated our feeds such that we might miss things and stuff like that it's like that's that's what that's the tribe now
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah that's the that's the community the community it's a community it is absolutely and it's
1: supplanting your real community
0: yeah, like the, the, and if the, you the... deny that, if someone try, online tries to deny that th- you're engaged in a community activity by di- having discourse with other people across the world from you Right. <laughs> uh, like you would. So, it, it, yeah, there's, I don't think there's really any way to escape that fact. And I don't think it's bad either. Like, I, I think it's, it's natural and I think it's, you know, it, it's uh, it can be bad, but it isn't inherently. No, it's uh, a very I don't human thing. Yeah, I think it's cool in a lot of ways that people are able to like you know talk across the world now and like you know break down some of those boundaries that may have existed due to technological um, uh, non-existence, I guess. And it's cool Uh, when you can.
1: It is cool too when you can bring that into the real world and actually have a real sort of community feeling and 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 like like at events like Childerberg, for example. That's there's there's a it's a it, it is a community that grew into reality from the internet right yeah and i I think that kind of thing is very cool
0: yeah but it's also i'm often i'm often critical of the idea that well when people say well you know the internet it's not real life well I, i i understand what people mean when they say that which is in the sense that you live your life Outside of the internet that is true, but you also you know do this kind of like bonding thing with the internet The internet's a tool we use to communicate just as we would communicate Previously, we're just doing it better and more efficiently right across space, right? So it, I don't really see it as much of a difference than actually communicate there. There's obviously, you know, there is difference but it, The means we're using are a little bit different, but the the same general Process or goal that we have when we're trying to communicate stays the same.
1: Yes, um, and while while factually true, I think the more we see these kinds of things happen, the less uh, emotionally true it becomes that the internet is not real life. Right. Well, except that again, I mean, just like we were talking about earlier, you can swing elections with social media. You can yeah. you like there there the internet is a part of life that affects things outside no. of itself.
0: Yeah. It like it is re- it, it, it's it's okay to say it's not all of life, that's obviously true. Uh but to say it's not real life, I I I, I kind of think that's just dismissive. It's an oversimplification you
1: know I mean? that's left over yeah. from the 90s. It's it's Absolutely. it's an oversimplification that's left over from before web 2.0, before social media, before people were making careers on YouTube before people were mouthpieces for the president on twitter yeah people like have
0: livelihood on the internet like yes. that, that is the thing that happens uh so it, yeah it, it's obviously you know we've we've kind of um, become a little bit codependent with it um you know what i mean like and i don't think that's necessarily wrong i think that's just the nature of like tools in general we're going to use yeah. them to be more productive and efficient we're we're dependent
1: on the internet in the same way that cotton harvesting is dependent upon the gin on the cotton gin like you have to have it
0: right exactly
2: yeah Yeah, yes i think these i think these
0: like influence and, and you're exactly right right like uh what you see if you're just some normie right If you're not like really interested in politics, but you're the type of person who's going to vote in a certain way because either your parents voted in a certain way or the people you like vote in a certain way. So therefore, you're going to vote in in a similar way that is can be altered by merely seeing what type of like the algorithm, the Twitter algorithm. Right. That can be, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole algorithm here because that's kind of it's uh, you know above my head a little bit. But it's also such a thing where it's like that. Can and does as you were saying, swing that. That can swing elections. That can determine exactly what someone sees. It can limit the scope of what the what the topics possibly could be. What could be uh, a very important news story that you've never heard about or something like that, right? Obviously, we can talk about the wars and stuff like that. But um, uh, it can limit the scope. You know, it's kind of like Chomsky's manufactured consent. Type yes, thing, exactly. Have a very lively debate, but within a very small parameter, uh, and that makes it seem like there's a lot of like um, discourse and fighting, and it's, it's this big battle. But really, outside of that parameter, there's a huge amount of other possible um, ideological positions one could take. That yeah, is not it, at it's all a, it's
1: common. an Overton window, and at the yeah. same time, there's there's an interesting thing. Have you seen the the documentary Hypernormalization? Hypernormalization. Uh, no, I don't Dude, think so. Dude, watch it. It's fascinating. It, it's, okay. it, takes, it takes a lot of cues from Manufacturing Consent, but it's, 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 it's a fascinating documentary. I think it's on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> that my girlfriend watched, and it, it's actually her pinned tweet. Uh, it says, oh, I, really? think, I think it says, me to the establishment, stop trying to hypernormalize me, please. <laughs> like, it's... Oh. So this hypernormalization idea really feeds into that, and I think it's part of um what's going on here uh this this idea that you're 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 taking these personalities that are that are uh monolithical almost uh beings they don't really exist right but they are personalities that, that it's it's just like all the social media you only see one side of a person on social media right um it's this weird monolithic personality that speaks to a certain kind of person and and ingrains into them or further entrenches their position and and feeds them validation.
0: Yeah. Also, like a lot of times, you know, and I, I, there's something great. Right? You know, the most dangerous leader is always the charismatic leader, and they're often yeah. the most popular for the same reason. Yes. I think a lot of times with like charismatic personalities specifically. Uh, if someone can get you to feel safe, they can get you to do a lot of horrible things. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, and that's often how, and it's almost like this counterintuitive thing, because obviously we all want to feel safe, right? But uh, it's like when someone can say, I'm going to protect you or, you you know, we're a community here, I'm going to make you feel safe. Uh, and you can make someone like feel welcomed uh especially this is especially attractive to people in who are like marginalized specifically and this is often how people can get radicalized into very bad territory radicalization isn't bad inherently but it can be um so oftentimes you can have people like who are marginalized and who want to be a part of some bigger community um whether they're on the left or the right and then they're taken in by these people who are grifters a lot of times sometimes they're true believers but a lot of times they're grifters yeah and They'll just say, Yeah, you have a community here, you have a place here, and they, they, these people obviously value this safety, they value this community, they don't want to be marginalized. So uh they're like, Well, but to stay here, but to be one of us, you have to perform certain social rituals, and sometimes these can be very, uh, very bad things. And it can be something you know, like innocuous, which is just like, you know, some common like group signaling or something like that, to actually like being a bad person or doing some bad shit. Uh, you, you also see this like with gangs, right? In, in, yes. Uh, um, like, uh, like, I, uh, I want to interrupt you for just
1: ahead. a second because you're saying that and I'm sitting here looking at a tweet from mm-hmm. Brooklyn Dad Defiant that is exactly what you're describing. It says, the, the tweet, October 22nd, reads, Who else is ready to do everything they can to prevent America from becoming like Gilead in The Handmaid's Tale? Hand up emoji. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that see, is exactly that, what so, you I'm were just describing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It validates the concern that people have. It encourages them yeah. to reply with with hand up emojis yeah. and all sorts of this makes
0: stuff. Makes them all feel like part of something. Uh, yeah, it's
1: it is exactly what you were just describing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it you and, know, this, I'm, and I'm, I'm listening
1: to it. And I'm like, that's that's what that is. That's just what that is.
0: And, you know, I I don't want to make it seem like it's all nefarious. Like there's some like that there, there's obviously good to come from it, too. But people should be on guard about that because that's how they can slip into very bad things. And this is why yes. look, this is why gangs happen. This is why gangs are very popular. They often give marginalized, usually young males, um, a place to feel like they are a part of a community of some sort. And obviously, they want—they have achieved some higher status for themselves that they desired, or um, and they don't want to lose that. So oftentimes, they'll get initiated into gangs uh, because obviously, you know, they want to feel that camaraderie, um, and it can lead them to do some very bad things. So I, I think it's a similar vein to that. Again, it's not all nefarious, but it, it very much can be. And and when and oftentimes, when nefarious shit does happen. That is usually part of it. Like when you're talking about like big group dynamics,
1: Mm -hmm. people get motivated. People gas each other up. Yeah. yeah. People will gas each other up and do something stupid. Um, and it's it's one of these things, honestly, it's kind of exactly like January sixth, where it's just like uh-huh. everybody gassed each other up right. to go take this unguided tour of the capital yeah. and it's like and and steal envelopes and shit. It's like, what do you what do you think you're accomplishing? I don't think there's any you don't have to call it an an insurrection to call it stupid. It wasn't an insurrection. Right. It was dumb. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love watching it, but it, oh, it, sure. it didn't achieve anything. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, it did give me a, a great picture. I I look at every like few weeks, which is the politicians hiding under their seats, which is oh, great. Yeah. It's, that's, oh, yes, that's my motivation. It gets me up in the morning. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh,
1: it's it's yeah, so like, weird to me. Yeah. I, I, I these group dynamics. I think part of the problem, and just like we were talking about with the internet, it's not real life I, I think part of the problem is that the internet amplifies these group dynamics and there's no, there's no outside voice that says, yo, uh, chilled the fuck out? Yep. I've seen an yep. interesting sort of thing, I, and I see, uh, actually Bennett does this on Twitter periodically, where he makes a joke or something, and somebody gets real gassed up and pissed off about it, and he just quote tweets and says, calm down.
0: Yeah. And that's also one of those things, too, right? Because, like, on one hand, you know, people often, it's easier to make, like, echo chambers on the Internet than you would think. Because one of the reasons is, right, obviously, um, you can just filter out everyone who disagrees with you. Yes. Um, So, you know, that's a thing. Um, Also, there's a very, you know... In-group versus out-group, you know, obviously there's a lot of studies behind this, but obviously, you know if someone comes to you with information and they're part of the out-group, the in-group, the, the people who are within the in-group are less likely to believe the person in the out-group, even if what they're saying is completely true. It's, it's facially know, like
1: rejected that. even if
0: it shouldn't yes. be. Exactly. Yeah, it's a genetic fallacy. You're, you're uh, saying something's wrong based on where it came from. Yeah. Um, so uh, oftentimes with, with that, with social media as well, Uh, it's much easier to make those echo chambers, whereas with real life, um, you know, you can do a lot of dumb shit online, but in real life, if you did that same dumb shit, you would at least have more of a a risk of having some physical altercation with someone. You know what I mean? Uh, So I think it's actually easier to, like, gas people up online than it actually is in real life. Usually, oh, usually yeah. when people get gassed up in real life and do real some dumb shit, it's either your sports team won the World Series or uh, there's some uh, like person in the White House who was telling you to go do do some shit. Yeah, uh, exactly. Or, like, yeah. Some <laughs> war or something like that, and we got to go blow up some brown people across the Middle East because exactly. you know, some of them.
1: Well, you show did. a bunch of you show a bunch of fifth graders footage of people getting bombed, set to let the bodies hit the floor, and it's like a patriotic yeah. celebration. Yeah.
0: Right, right, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and these people live, it's an interesting thing too, these people live for the retweet. Like, they live to be quote-tweeted by, for example, like Brooklyn Dad Defiant. Like, like they'll, they will reply in hopes that they'll be retweeted yeah. by him. Yeah. Like, they live for it. And it's, it's a very powerful oh, yeah. thing, because once that eye is on you, like once the eye of Brooklyn Dad Defiant is on <laughs> you, you're special. I mean, it was—it was kind of—it's kind of a thing that you see it reflected in several of these, where he's quote-tweeted people. But it's always sandwiched between these things that are exactly what you were just describing. This "Good morning and happy Saturday to everyone who's willing to work as hard as you can for the next 17 days until Election Day, getting as many people yeah. you can to vote for Democrats straight ticket. We need all hands on DC. deck. Join." DC.
0: At first, it comes across as genuine, but you slip in that little activist um, call to action at the very end, so that people know, well, all right, so you, I, you know, if I want to be a part of this community, I have to do something uh, to these ends, right? I have to, uh, you know, politically become active. It's an upsell. It's an yes. upsell. Yes, yes, yes. It's,
1: it's, hello, how are you doing, ma'am? I see you're working really hard on cleaning these windows, you know? You're yes. a really hard worker, and you seem to me like you could use a little bit of help. I've got this wonderful product. It's, it's, a, it's fucking salesmanship.
0: Yeah, Yes. exactly. Yeah.
2: That's all it is. I'm, oh, my yeah. God.
1: <laughs> I can't, I can't... <laughs> And they've started saying, uh, have you seen how they've started referring in these circles to Trump? Uh, how? He's TFG.
2: TFG. What's that stand for? The former
1: guy. Wow. (laughs) Okay. It's, it's, it's Voldemortism
0: right right yeah you can't speak his name
1: exactly yeah. <laughs> they won't say and now, i'm not I'm, I'm i'm quoting them when i say it's voldemortism in fact i saw the first time i saw oh, I'm that
0: sure you are yeah yeah
1: it, the first time i saw that used somebody said tfg means the former guy i don't say his name it's like voldemort oh my god that is very close to a direct quote from the tweet that i
0: first saw it in that is oh my god and once oh. you see it, you start
1: seeing it everywhere
0: yeah, it's like a yeah, it's, it's like it's a like Toyota a Corolla. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a virus like a Toyota Corolla. Yes, yeah. exactly. It just, it, just it just infests everything. You look <laughs> to your left, there it is. You look to your right, there it is. It's <laughs> Everywhere.
1: It's like that. It's like it's like when you first like when you get a when you when you when you first get in a new car, learn of a new car, and then you see them all over the place. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that exact same thing where it says like, I saw this and it's ugh. And it is, it's, there's <laughs> these weird, you know, I've been doing a lot of, and I, I was actually bring this up a little bit earlier with regard to this conversation. I've been doing a lot of reading about uh, the problem of, of other minds and how that connects with issues like um, things like philosophical zombies, how that connects, yeah. w- connects with uh, mind-body dualism, uh, yeah, lo- yes, exactly solipsism. I've been doing a lot of reading about that over the last couple of weeks, and I'll tell you what made me do it. It was the the song "The Problem of Other Minds" by uh, Animals as Leaders on their most recent album. I was listening to that oh, okay. song, and I was like, "God, this is such a good fucking song." And so I was, uh, look, I knew what the problem of other minds was, but I, it kind of wow. made me realize I've never really done any reading on this, so yep. I I dug into it's it. Interesting.
0: Like at first, at first. So a lot of times when you encounter philosophical topics like and I'm speaking for myself as well, right? Sometimes you kind of like roll your eyes and like, well, that's dumb. But then when you read into it, you're like, oh, actually, there's a good argument here. Yes. uh, Why this is actually a problem. Uh, Not not conclusive, but it's a good argument that makes you think. Right, uh, right. It it
1: forces you into a position where you have to consider like, what, what, what? the things that you take for granted, I appreciate topics like that yes. that, that, that make yes. you reconsider the things you take for granted on a daily basis. Exactly. Like, when you're talking to another human being, I know I'm talking to another human being with their own thoughts and their own life, and what's that term that describes the feeling that you have when you realize that every person you come across has a life as complex and colorful as yours? I can't remember...
0: Oh, I, I said, uh, um, uh, Sonder? Sonder! That's what it is. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and 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 so I, I I appreciate things that make me dig in on stuff like that. And so, yeah. I, and I'm looking at this kind of thing, and 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 in this conversation in particular, and I'm I'm wondering like, what this is why, this is why that's a question. Right. This yeah. is this is We've why it, because people behave in this way. This is why we can't be sure <laughs> that they actually have a mind.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those things where it's like. I go on assuming that they do um, just because it makes me feel comfortable. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. I don't want I don't want like I would rather someone just be delu like someone just like be delusional uh, rather than thinking that, oh, this person is literally not metaphorically, literally an NPC that has a script written and is just running on autopilot. Right. Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's what uh, I'm saying.
1: That's why it makes it easier if they're just liars.
0: Right. That,
1: that's, that's what makes it easier if somebody like Brooklyn Dad Defiant is just a liar. It's so much easier yeah. than if he is programmed in this weird way.
0: You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. He's like, with philosophical zombies. So, so I, I, let's, uh, let's break down philosophical zombies a little bit for people who might, may never have heard the term. Philosophical zombies is the idea that, or the, the theory that perhaps not everyone has the same level of conscious experience that you do. Yes. Um, you, it's listener, a, who's
1: yes. Perhaps, uh, perhaps there are beings out there that lack qualia in the same way yes, that, that you something. have
0: it. Yeah. So they may lack a sense experience or a thought. Uh, any number of that uh, to to some degree or another. Maybe maybe they just uh, have a different kind of conscious experience or qualia, as you said, or they have um, none none at all, and they're just like a meat robot. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's a it's, meat so that's kind of Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But enough about the infinite Glizzy. Now, oh fuck! Uh, <laughs> oh shit! With with, uh So anyway, but with philosophical zombies, it's yeah, that's kind of it, though. It, it's like this idea that whenever you talk to another person, how and you know, this is also dovetails very, very heavily with solipsism, which is the idea mm-hmm. that solipsism is the idea that only you exist and everything else is a construction of your mind like. Um, so uh, because, it's a, um, it's the so, it's
1: the logical it's it's the it's it's described I shouldn't say described. It is illustrated by this idea of like the brain and a vet, where it's it's you're the only yes. thing that you are sure of is that your consciousness kind of exists and everything else is fake.
0: The card. Yeah. yeah. That's what you start with, but uh, the solipsist would say that's not just where you start with, that's all the way you can go. That's where, it ends, that yeah. you know, that's where it ends too. Yeah. where it starts and ends there at the same spot. Um, yeah, so that that's solipsism. And it also, you know, uh, So, this also comes, so solipsism really gets its strength. So, I I kind of now we're branching off into like epistemology here, but I'm okay uh, with that. I'm okay
1: with that. I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) There's, there's, so I, I don't know, Dean, if you're familiar with like the difference between what's known as direct realism and indirect realism. I haven't heard those terms. Okay. So, direct realism is the idea that we experience the world through our senses as it actually is. Like Ah. we have a direct connection and a direct experience to what actually is and indirect realism says we have an experience of the world, but this world is fed through our sense experience into our minds. Yes. so we have a filter in front of us so direct realism is that we have a direct experience of the world and there's no filter indirect realism is the idea that we have an experience with the world but there is a filter and the filter is i've heard
1: those ideas but not labeled as such i i I, yeah
0: yeah yeah so like so indirect realism is basically like think of every time you interact with something every single time whether it's you're hearing someone talk to you you're, you're eating a piece of food, you're smelling a flower, you're looking at sunlight, you're touching a wall, right? All of those things, you only can experience them by way of your senses, right? You cannot, it's incoherent to say, I experienced something without my senses. Uh, you, you, you know what I mean? Like everything, right. everything in the physical world is fed to us through our own sense experience. Um, so it, once you realize that, and this is where solipsism comes in, right? The solipsism kind of branches off with this idea to say, like, well, since I can't validate my own sense experience with anything else prior to my sense experience, because I, you know, you, you can't go beyond your sense experience or prior to it to validate anything that your yeah. sense well,
1: are telling you. Perception. Do I know? Perception is inherently unfalsifiable. Like you can't.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, the solipsist will go farther and say, "Well, how, how, do I, how can I even be sure that when, when I'm touching this table and I'm getting, getting the physical sensation of the table, how do I know that that is not just um, my mind giving me the impression of something here rather than it actually being here? You know what I mean?" Yeah, uh, in the same way that your mind can have illusions, you can have um, you know uh, uh, illusions of audio, visual all types of things like someone that.
1: describes if someone describes a particular pizza from a particular pizza place you can taste it if you've had it before and right. really enjoyed it like and
0: even if you're not actually tasting it yes Yes. exactly yeah so uh, this is that that's kind of like where solipsism gets its thing so i just want to kind of give people a little rundown for anyone who sure. doesn't know what solipsism is what it kind of is and it, it, ends it, is there it it's how- not
1: it, it's a philosophy yes. that ends there necessarily they yes. don't go on to say but we can also observe these other things that makes us think that perhaps these things are real. And also they don't, they don't question that it starts and ends with this perception is totally unfalsifiable. It exists only in my mind. Therefore it exists only in my mind. I cannot proceed on the assumption that it is real at all.
0: Right, exactly. And truthfully, I think they're right. That experience is unfalsifiable in in some sense i i don't think i don't necessarily jump to the conclusion that therefore just because it's unfalsifiable therefore it's illusory well i do i do lend
1: i do lend some credence to the old idea i can't remember where i've i can't remember where this comes from i think it might be a scene in a movie or something like that but but where someone says like yeah well we can't be sure any of this is real and someone just rolls up a newspaper and hits them and it's like was that real like, I, right. I, I think there's some exactly. value to that
0: kind I, of inquiry. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I often respond to the, I, I often respond exactly like that to people who say, well, what if we're just in a simulation and none of this is real? Well, I feel like we can't have a clear definition of what real means unless we're talking about the things we're interacting with that are giving us <laughs> sense of experience. You know what I mean?
1: Having the conversation like, becomes pointless at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe, maybe your brain is just a jar in a vat. But I I would still say even like you could say that there's an underlying level of reality that your brain is a jar in a vat. But if I'm still getting sense experience, there's still some reality to this. I'm still experiencing something. But see, now here's the other. Now here's the other problem with that. Then people will ask you, well, does that mean illusions are real? Uh,
1: The answer is yes. Yeah, it's Allusions a real illusion. Real. It's it just a real doesn't illusion.
0: Correspond. It just does not correspond <laughs> to the level of reality that we are, we're always talking about. Well, it's like, one of those things happening to you. Yeah. Come
1: on. If you think about magic, if you think about like, let's say slide of hand, right? If you think about yeah. slide of hand, your brain is what is creating the illusion that the card disappeared, even though intellectually, you know, the card is just behind yeah. his hand wedged between his fingers. You might know that, but your brain doesn't and your brain says the card disappeared that's that is it's an illusion but it's real it's a real illusion like there's that kind of distinction is 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 you can't you cannot draw that firm distinction Yeah. um in those cases um
0: yeah so how i personally escape solipsism is i subscribe to what's known as uh phenomenological conservatism which is a really fancy term for just saying we should assume things are as they seem until we have evidence to the contrary. <laughs> uh, that's all that yeah. means. Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's the only uh, way to proceed in the world.
0: Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Everywhere else, you get stuck in solipsism. To be quite, you you just get stuck. Um, so you kind of so you have to go there and everyone kind of understands that already, right? We kind of have to take things as they seem until they no longer seem that way. But I don't really see a way we can escape that uh, truthfully. Um, well, it's a it's it's one of those things that
1: just like that we 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 take, for example, touching a table. Just to go back to an yeah. example you use touching a table. We know based on some level of scientific certainty, uh, whether we have personal knowledge of that science or not, uh, let's not get into that, we know from some level of scientific certainty that you're not actually touching a table. What you're feeling is the repelling force between the atoms of your hand and the atoms of the table. You know what I mean? That, 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 right. that you're not actually touching a table insofar as you are feeling the, the repulsion between the table and your hand and the atoms that right. make up those things. That, to me, is what makes um, that the only way to proceed, is that I, I assume I'm touching a table, of course I'm touching a table. Yeah. And then someone comes along and says, well, actually, you're not touching a table, and that's because the table's made of yeah, this stuff, and your hand is you. made of this stuff.
0: Right. 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 The burden is on them, then, right? So like, right. you would have right. to start with the base, What what is, uh, like what it seems to be, that's the starting point. And that doesn't mean it's true, right? There's a lot of things that just seem intuitive to us that may just be completely incorrect. Uh, It doesn't. So I'm not saying the starting assumption is true, but we just have to start at the starting assumption. Right. It's Uh, just it's
1: just where you start.
0: (laughs) It's just where you start. And questioning that
1: Uh, seems so weird to. I don't know. Continue. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah no no i mean it's interesting because i like i like thought experiments and stuff like that oh, yeah. but ultimately they they kind of like circle in on themselves where they don't really give you an answer that you can like coherently uh come to in a lot of like, okay, cases possibility yeah you know in a lot of cases they <laughs> just end up
1: being masturbatory they're interesting
0: yeah but masturbatory. they are i like it. yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah uh you know if i if i really wanted to be like an autistic asshole here uh, another way uh solipsists could um come like combat this with um indirect realism with the example of science, right? Um, And I think there's a a certain level of credence, actually, to this, um, which is, like, I usually use this argument when, like, people claim that science is just capital T truth, right? Like, whatever science says is the truth, that's what it is. and like, I, I'm not denying like scientific facts, but I, I think, you know, you should have some amount of skepticism to them. Uh, uh, not, yes. You should not, not assume that they are capital T eternal truth, just because we have found something that seems to imply something. Well, that's uh, the
1: problem uh, or, though, with mixing up. I mean, that, what you're describing is uh, the, 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 in the book, the, uh, this Scientism. is down in the book, the, uh, yeah. In the kindly inquisitors, uh, 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 Ronson. I, I can't remember who wrote kindly was, fuck
2: um uh got it jonathan roush it's not ronson's roush
1: jonathan roush in the con inquisitors writes about this this idea that taking science as true as a representation of fact is counter to the purpose of science the, right. the science as an ethic if, if you're if you're going to if you're going to treat science and, the, and doing science as as an ethic it is about questioning truth not positing it
0: right. so, so it's like, that's the that's the whole purpose what a scientific fact is is just what we were saying about like phenomenological conservatism is that this is the best thing we have right now that's what that means when exactly. someone says this is like right and it's not to say that if someone says gravity exists, it's not that they're wrong. Uh, It's not that I'm not saying that, well, they're, well, you know, we can never really know, Uh, you know, obviously there is a force that pulls us to the ground, right? Uh, We're not, I'm not denying that, but I think that sometimes people can do this argument from ignorance, which is to say that uh well i don't know that we don't know that there is anything else to this thing called gravity so there isn't right that's just like you know know what i mean well it's one of those it's it's like an absence of evidence does not equal an evidence of absence
1: exactly well that's one of the things too is like I, i mean someone could just as easily posit like gravity doesn't exist the reality is you're living on the inside of the hollow earth and it's spinning and so when you jump the centrifugal force pulls you back down to
0: right the ground or maybe there's little gnomes with invisible ropes that just like pull people down <laughs> everyone has their know? personal gnome uh, and make sure they stay yes. on the ground now is that possible yeah it's it's possible sure metaphysically possible i guess uh but it's uh you know i, I i'm not gonna go ahead and believe that necessarily yeah, but i would possible. say it's
1: not the best representation of reality yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and now i know it when it turns out to be true in 2000 years, we're going to look like a bunch of retards if people are listening to this like 2000 years later when, it find, when the gnomes appear and, you know, uh, dominate well, the earth. But, you to know, your,
1: to your point regarding phenomenological conservatism, we can only work with what we yeah. have.
0: Exactly. So we can't be blamed. So, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> we were <working> with <laughs> but it's uh, one of those
1: things. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, no. Go
0: ahead. Uh, I was
1: just going to say it's, it's one of those things I've been thinking a lot about that and, and the way that. The way that we try to interpret things, it, it actually got me spinning off. I'm sorry, I'm going to spin this conversation off again. It got me, it got me into thinking about, um, you know, I, I've noticed a lot in libertarianism, there's this, the, the, the focus on property rights as the core of all rights, which I fundamentally agree with, um, yeah. also lends to a focus on materialism that I think might be a little unhealthy. So this, 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 this focus on the idea that, uh, somebody posted a quote under something I tweeted the other day and I didn't respond to it because I disagreed with it, uh, but the person was fine. They didn't say, they didn't say anything wrong. They just posted a quote that I disagreed with. Um, and, 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 and it was, it was something on the lines of if I, if I can remember, I can't remember exactly, but it was something on the lines of you're not a mind with a body. Your mind is your body. You are a body like that kind of thing. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, now though.
2: I don't think yeah, so. It's, it's
0: kind of reductionist, right? Like I don't yeah. think so either. I'm not. So I'm not a materialist. Um, I. So as far as like, so the, now now we're gonna get into like Cartesian uh, dualism and That's stuff fine. like that. But it's, uh, <laughs> so there's two types of dualism. There's, there's yeah, I guess you could branch them farther, but there's two main types of dualism, right? There's substance dualism and property dualism. Yep. And so normal Cartesian dualism is the idea that there is some type of separation between the mind and the body. There is some categorical distinction. Um, it, so a, a straight-up materialist, a hardcore materialist, would basically say that the mind is merely an illusory experience of your brain's processor. Your brain is processing things, and it's giving you this almost... After the fact, illusory experience of having a self. This right? thing
1: that you um, call consciousness is the gooey to the program that is your mind. It's not right. doing anything yeah. special. It's just processing things. And this thing that you call consciousness is is just the gooey. It's just a skin yeah. on yeah. top of it that makes it easier to deal with.
0: Yeah, I believe uh, Daniel Dennett, uh, I think his name is, he, he wrote a book that kind of like uh, tried to explain consciousness this way, but it was like panned by some people. It's like explaining away consciousness. Uh, and So so yeah, that, that'd be an example of like hard materialism. So Cartesian dualism, so there's substance dualism and property dualism. Substance dualism is the idea that um, it, the substance of everything, like the, the foundational structure of reality is divided between mind and matter, right? So the idea between that would be that, you know, there are material things and then there are immaterial things. And your mind is an immaterial thing and your body is a material thing. And then you have the the classic problem of well, how do these interact, right? How does a non physical thing and a physical thing interact? The
1: causality that question between between yes. mind and matter is a yes. is it's
0: a very, the, very it's an extreme the longest extreme running, running question. since Yes, yeah, since uh, Descartes, that has been like one of the longest running philosophical problems with his theory. Um, there's also property dualism, which I'm actually uh, somewhat favorable to. Um, which is the idea that the mind and the body are not distinct substances in the sense that they're like uh, metaphysically uh, entirely distinct. Uh, there is interplay between them, but they're rather different properties of this of a, of a substance. So your mind exists and is a property um, on its own, but it can be reduced down to some other substance. Now, um. I think that I, to fully clarify my view, I, I don't think that mind and matter is a complete picture of like what experience is totally right. You know what I mean? Like I, I, am kind of, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here because I totally could, uh, but <laughs> I, I'm sort of, I would sort of classify myself as having um, on a, uh, I guess a metaphysical level as a neutral monist. Now a monist is someone who believes that all reality kind of breaks down into one substance that kind of has different properties that uh, properties and affects that kind of branch out. Um, and that's so like it,
1: all that's, reality uh, is. That's M O N I S T, not M O A N I S T. For people correct. who want to Google this later. Yes, M O N I S T. Yeah.
0: M O N I S T. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, people like Spinoza, for example, uh, promulgated this view. Um, but the idea of uh, neutral monism is the idea that, well, um, Mind and matter are properties on their own, but they might not necessarily be the fundamental substance.
1: They are. Um, They're they're not categorical in themselves.
0: Correct. Like we can make distinctions between them and we can say that they're own things. Right. In the same way that, uh, you know, you and I are different people. We're not the same thing. Uh, But it very well may be the case that what we're made up of can be reduced to some higher category category that may sure. be unified Do you know what i mean oh uh, species
1: um, i mean we're 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 yeah. we are the same species but we're not the same person
0: correct exactly so that's a way to talk about like properties versus substance sort of thing we're not we might be the same species we might not have the same like categorical father or some sense in a metaphorical sense but we don't have we're not the same thing when it comes down to it and right. that's sort of pro- what property dualism is um um but I, I went on a tangent uh, go ahead what you were saying sorry before i cut you off oh ran, no 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 like, no, no. actually i was this.
1: i was no no i i i specifically brought that up so that you would go on that tangent um <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that was the purpose <laughs> um it makes me think too that there was that there was that conversation actually the conversation that that quote was was placed under was a conversation about self-ownership
0: and oh, this right, idea right, i i could forgot how we started this yeah i know well yes. it was
1: well i mean this is a this is we're far from the weeds at this point there was it was a, yeah. a conversation about self-ownership that was that was interesting that that my my conception of self-ownership comes from the fact that i am a dualist in a sense i, I, right. I don't i see the mind as owning the the physical properties of the body like the, the mind yeah. whatever consciousness is that is the self-owner that is the owner yeah I, and the, the I agree. I,
0: I... Now, go for it. Sorry, go ahead. That's, that's I, all I was going to say, say that.
2: on
1: that. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I think that... So I, I do think that if you do think that you're... Uh, that we're just unified, we're just a body, that's it. Um, I still think self-ownership can apply. Like, some people think that there must be a... Um, Maybe the term needs to be reworked, but I don't think that what we're talking about is incoherent uh, in either case. Like, I don't think necessarily that there has to be a subject object distinction. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, It it would
1: be it would be easier to just say the claim, which is that you whatever you are, are, you have the highest Uh claim to your body.
0: I agree. Yes, I completely agree. No matter what you no matter what your metaphysical position is, I think that claim holds. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. But I do, I do see your point that, like, we understand that, uh, like, when someone dies, right, and their physical body and the physical contents of their body remains the same, it may, well, not the same, it's not, you know, moving, it's not inactive, it's inactive at that point. Uh, but they're, they're not the, that person, that person is not there. The body's there, but the person what we classified as the person. Now, maybe if you're just a hard materialist, you're going to say that the person is just a construction. It's an it's an illusory construction because
1: the uh, because the electrochemical processes in the brain have stopped. The person has stopped as well.
0: That that, that would be the
1: answer that they would provide. I think.
0: Right. So the movement inside the body has stopped, uh, but every all the contents are still there, uh, you know, at least right after death. Um, in most cases. Uh, so.
1: well, yeah, in the, let's just say in the, in the best case scenario for how you die.
2: Best scenario.
0: Yeah, in the best case scenario, everything is still there. Uh, but, but we understand that what we call the person uh, is not there. Now, and also, if you could, you know, now we're going to get into like a, a ship of Theseus type thing where it's like, if you're just going to say that you're the body... And you cut off, or your arm gets cut off, let's say. You could say that I am less than I was. You could say that, but we all would understand that that is the same person, right? Right. Like, like we'd understand that that is still you. That's the you, you, whatever you is, however you define that. We would still generally say, yeah, that's still Jeff, right? Sure. You, know? you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's still them. They've just lost a piece of themselves, but that they're still them. Well, let's, I mean, let's let's flip
1: it and reverse it. Let's say you take out whatever the seat of you is, right? Whatever the seat of you is in the body. Uh, uh, Historically, you know, the heart or the whatever, whatever it is. Let's just say it's the brain. Let's put that brain in a vat. (laughs) Okay, let's put that brain in a jar. Now, that brain, assuming that we know for sure it's still active and that, uh, that it's still Everything is is still going on there. If that is the seat of consciousness, if that's where consciousness lives, uh, for example, like, and I don't mean in a literal way, I mean.
0: Assuming, metaphorically, we, right. speak, we have to speak metaphorically. Here exactly, very, like,
1: okay, exactly. Yeah. That is Jeff. Right. Yeah. If, if Jeff is conscious and Jeff is reduced only to, I mean, for, I mean, it could be anything. It could be your little finger. Maybe you maybe consciousness exists uh, is is seated in the little finger and we put your little finger in a jar. That's still you. Yeah.
0: There there's I, I feel like everyone recognizes this, even if they say they don't, but there is a hierarchy to a, a person's being. you know what I mean? Like we all sure. understand that, you know, I have a toe, but my toe is not me. You know what I mean? Exactly. That, like, it, it, <laughs>
1: Exactly. It was like, whatever, whatever the ephemeral thing that is yeah. your identity, what, whatever yes. that ephemeral thing is, is necessarily separate from the meat. It seems yes. to me.
0: And if, Yes, I agree. And if you believe, if you're someone who believes that, you know, we're all just reducible to material components like matter and energy and motion, right, which is the materialist claim, um... Then it seems we run into like what's what's known as the ship of Theseus problem. Um, so the the thought experiment, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the ship of Theseus thought thought experiment, is um, you have this ancient Greek mythological character Theseus, and he goes on voyages, and his ship gets damaged right over time. Um, and what he does is he replaces a plank of his ship. It can be a simple ship. We don't need to make it too like extravagant for the thought experiment. It can just be a simple boat. Sure. Um, and every time it gets damaged, you take a piece out. Right, and then you replace it with a almost exact copy of that of that piece. And over time, you keep doing the same thing; it gets damaged, and you keep replacing it board by board. And eventually, none of the original boards remain. Right, none of the original boards remain. Is it still the ship of Theseus? And if you say no, it's not, um, then you're then you're forced to answer: When did it not become the ship of Theseus? So when what did it stop? Then, and what then? When did it stop? What is yes. the when what is it,
1: what is the metaphysical is thing called the ship of Theseus, and why is this no longer that?
0: Right, exactly. So if you just believe that you're just a material component, and this is this is also something, right? Um, every seven to ten years, um, most of the cellular structure of your body uh deteriorates and decays not at the same time in different stages but it will all almost all the cells every seven to ten years in your body will decay and then be reconstituted by copies right so if you truly believe that you're just physical then that means every seven to ten years you you're a clone of your previous cell it's an interesting uh,
1: exactly and it's one of those things that that i i wonder too we talk about the seat of consciousness or i talk about the seat of consciousness. Um this idea that consciousness has to live somewhere in you, right? Like it, it's Yeah. It, it can't be it can't be that you're which is why the this this, this idea of of, of uh, absolute separation of the material and the and the mind, right? That that idea doesn't track to me either. I don't see how Outside of accepting the existence of the soul, which is certainly possible, but I'm I'm not convinced of that. Um, sure. Outside of accepting that, the the which if that's the answer, fine, <laughs> then then whatever. But sure. outside of that, the 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 only thing that I can conceive of that that it, it must be that consciousness is, um, is somehow. It lives in a part of us. Um, we know, you know, ne- neurology exists in the brain, but I don't think neurology explains consciousness.
0: I, I yeah, I, I can't. And this this is why phenomenology is so important uh, to me. Actually, is that people who are hard materialists don't act as if. They they often act as if science well well you know we'll look at the brain scans and see what that tells us right but I, I'm I'm of the belief that science can never actually science which is trying to find objective answers to questions right it's an objective fact that we can all sit around and come to the same conclusion with it we have, we see the same experience we see the we come to the same conclusions right with with this experience I don't think science will ever be able to touch it not not like no. I don't th- and yeah. this is also. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the David the work of David Chalmers, Um, but he wrote um, he's popular. He or he is one who popularized the term the hard problem of consciousness. Um, If you just search up hard problem, it'll probably be one of the first search results. In fact, Um, the second result will be a uh, porno. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: Yes. But he. uh Uh, He essentially talks about like how there's easy problems of consciousness, right? How there's like, you know, how does the brain process information in X, Y, or Z way? We'll be able to eventually figure that out, right? That is something that eventually, you know, whatever those types of questions are that we currently have, those will eventually be able to be answered more than likely. The hard problem of consciousness is the idea that how do we take matter, which we do not assume is conscious, uh, it may be, but uh, we do not assume <laughs> that matters has, inherently has a consciousness. Sure. Uh, how do we go from non-conscious matter to consciousness? How do we get there? How do we bridge that gap? And how can we explain the phenomenology of how something tastes, right? Whenever we're talking about something, right? And, and this is how like phenomenology is like, Atlas holding up science at a certain point, because without phenomenology, you don't have science in the first place because you need that sense experience. You need the understanding that each person has a sense experience. You must be able to science. observe like you, 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 you have are, to like, be able to make observer.
1: observations.
0: <laughs> there must be an observer to observe scientific fact. It is science is rested upon uh, phenomenology. Um, you, so you it's necessary for it. So Science cannot explain in scientific terms what it is like to taste a strawberry, right? We can, science can tell you what is happening when you taste the strawberry, down to the molecular structure of how the strawberry breaks down in your digestive system, to what is happening with the taste buds in your tongue, how those react. It can explain all of those, but all of those are secondary to what the person says they're experiencing it's it, it kind of
1: goes back to the pizza that that pizza from that specific pizza place that you've had before in love and you're yeah. talking about it with somebody else and you can taste it yes and yes. and That's and right. but that 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 can't be explained that we know we know that that sense the way that we sense know. memory works to some extent we know that you're tasting it because you're remembering the thing and the blah 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 and the smells and yada
0: yada it explain, we get that it doesn't explain the, the experience itself yeah right? it can't like yeah. So there, I think there's always so I'm of the belief that science will never be able to touch experience. And it is a unique type of thing. Right. It's not like other things. In fact, it is it, it, if there is any other thing, it is the primary thing. Right. Because we all start with experience. It is the thing we judge everything else by. You know what I mean? Because when you uh, to even think you must first experience in some sense. Right. Uh, sure. It is the primordial foundation of everything. Uh, from a from a subjective experience, from a subject's perspective, by definition. Well, it's
1: also the only real way to to draw the distinction between man and non-man. Like like like. Right. First, I was about to say animal, but really anything else. The the yeah. and 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 those distinctions that people try to draw based upon different degrees of intelligence or different degrees of consciousness or different degrees of qualia, whatever it may be, that they're using to determine those things. There's overlap on the edges that, that, that causes us to, for example, you know, if the smartest monkey is smarter than the dumbest human, right. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever it may yeah. be, or, or even take uh, slightly more tragic situations. For example, like, you know, you have uh, mental disabilities or things like that, that, that a, a eugenicist would say makes you not even human. But I, I don't think we can make that claim. Uh, that person's
0: very clearly a human. There's uh, some very interesting research. Are you familiar with um, the phenomenon of terminal lucidity? I am not. I have not heard the term. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. So this is really interesting, dude. Um, So terminal lucidity is something found in dementia patients Um, or like. So what will happen oftentimes when a person is dying from dementia. Right now, dementia. You know, it does some very bad shit to your brain. Oh, yes. Um, and right. So if we just whole have the fact that. um, You know, the, the mind and the brain, if you believe the mind and the brain are the same thing, then you would have to think that a dementia patient at the end of their life is just at the worst stage of dementia, right. Right are It's the worst stage. It's the final stage. They're close to death.
1: The brain is Swiss Criminal. cheese. There's nothing there.
0: Yes. Yeah. Terminal lucidity is something that's been documented many times. And this is not some like crackpot science thing, this is an actual thing. Terminal lucidity happens in dementia patients where right minutes before their death, they remember their family and everything. It all comes back. It all comes back to them right before their death. Um, Oh, that's fascinating. Which if you really, if, if you're if you're thinking that well our minds are just reducible to our brains that shouldn't be possible because you as you said your brains are Swiss cheese at that point yeah you're, th- so,
1: th- there should be no way that you could suddenly be lucid
0: yes exactly so and this has been documented by many people many doctors all throughout uh, you know since we've been recording this stuff in their la- final moments moments before their death they were they're l- completely lucid and they remember their family. Uh, a lot it doesn't happen every time but it happens enough to where it's like holy shit to where it's uh, something you'll notice yeah yeah right Um uh, and yeah they, they have no real explanation for why this happens um so it, it's something really interesting i don't yeah i'm not a person who believes that the mind can be fully reduced down to the brain even if you believe that the the mind is dependent upon the brain that doesn't mean that it's unique to it, or it's identical right. to it, I should
1: say. I think it probably is to, yeah. some, to some extent, but there should be, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, and, and that extent may be great, I, I don't even know, but that, that extent, it could yeah. be massive how dependent it is.
0: All we can see is correlation, right? When, we, right? when we're looking from a scientific perspective, all we can see is correlation between, OK, when this person says they experience this, this is what's going on in their brain. Right. And I think we should be careful as to say, well, correlation doesn't equal causation. It doesn't mean that this brain effect is causing this necessarily. It might be, you know, they might be going on at the same time, but it doesn't necessarily mean that one is causing the other. It's
1: also, I mean, um, you can even get more granular with it. And the question becomes, where did a thought come from?
0: yes exactly like, like what what's like, the what's the genesis of matter how does the matter, does the matter b- bouncing around in your head produce the, the thought the thinking you know right it's uh yeah the, the, the idea of like a novel thought
1: yeah like, like if you have <clears throat> this is something that that i was actually you 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 have this all the time when you're when you're planning something like a like let's say for example a defense strategy right I mean I'm I'm gonna bring it down to my level for a second um, yeah. if you're planning something like a defense strategy you're you're you are you are almost begging whatever whatever part of your brain is is does the thinking right whatever part of yeah. of you that does the I should have said your consciousness whatever part of your consciousness does the thinking you are you are begging it to have an idea it's right. it's 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 your desire to have an idea and then you right. have an idea that is novel or that yeah. you haven't seen before i mean legitimately like, like this is something right. that hasn't been thought of to my knowledge i'm sure other people have thought of things but it's not something that i've observed or seen right. done i just think this thing might work um it, <laughs> the, the origin of that the origin of that moment is completely unexplained if you're only talking about the material
0: yeah does that make um, sense plato, yes i and i this brought um to mind plato for me uh plato had an answer to this so he thought about this a lot actually uh like where do these thoughts come from right so Uh, Plato, um, obviously, um, Plato believed that there was a world of forms, right? So this was his famous contribution, really. Yes. He he believed, You know, it's sometimes called platonic heaven, but that's only meant to be like a metaphor. So the idea of the idea of the platonic uh, of the forms is that there are these things that are not, they are outside of space-time. They are not spatially extended. They do not exist in time. They do not change. They exist in what we would call eternity, let's say, uh, right? Um. And because they're fixed, and because everything outside of space-time doesn't change, what, what Plato concluded was that um, these thoughts, when we have a new thought, what the, he so Plato believed in like the, that each person has an immortal soul, and that what's happening when we're going through time is that we are re-remembering essentially everything uh, that is outside of space-time while we're in space-time. And that's how the thoughts are coming to us. So it's a pretty wild explanation. No, no, it, it makes, it's kind of yeah, it's the, how he's thinking.
1: There's the sort of Platonic explanation of like the, 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 the classic example I think uh, that was given to me was a chair. Like there's a, yes. there's a, there's a somewhere in, in this, in this metaphysical world, there is a chair and it is the chair. And every other chair that exists, Can be you can draw a direct line uh, of descent from the chair to a chair, a chair that exists that you can touch, that you can sit on.
0: Yes, because if you believe that piece, so Plato was an abstract realist, which means that the the idea that the abstract, the things that we think of as concepts, uh, numbers, right, um, things like that, those are real things. They're not physical things, but they're real things. Uh, They exist in some, they exist somewhere. And it's actually wrong to say they exist somewhere because that implies space. Uh, Right. (laughs) They they, they, they they exist. exist. They exist. It's a metaphysical existence. It's a. It is. It is. It's outside of space time. It is in eternity, right? And because eternity consists of everything that could ever did exist at the same time, really. Uh, he's saying it's sort of like while we're in space time, right? While we're here in the space time in physical existence, moving and transforming, all of these things are sitting outside of space time in a fixed form, right? Does that make sense? Yes. Because without you, because while when there's time, there is change, there is action from one act to another, one stage to another. Uh, outside of space time, there is no such thing as change, uh, like outside of time.
1: Right. There's no, so, there, you can have just, no, it, even, even just universal change like entropy can't happen yeah, in correct, those situations, time. right?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so that is kind of like played a rough... Uh, generalization of Plato's ideas and so that it's really interesting because you brought that up That's how like it reminded me of that. It's just like yeah So like you're you have an eternal form outside of space-time and your physical form here in the world is essentially just re- Reintegrating knowledge as it passes through space-time Like it,
1: it makes sense. It, it kind of connects to sort of new agey ideas that I'm, I'm yes, not I'm That's not sold true. on but like yeah, new yeah. agey ideas of like your your whatever your consciousness is, is an antenna to this eternal existing universe that is right. That that's a, that's a, that's a actually, I think that might be exactly how that sort of new age idea is explained.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say it's a
0: good distillation, but I think it's
1: exactly how it's explained.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of like new age stuff is like a repackaged version of like uh, Platonism. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. it, it, there there are obviously differences, but a lot of it pulls from that, whether they whether the people know it or not uh, that they're doing it. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, but I, I, I'm definitely sold on the idea that consciousness is not the same as the brain. I've been sold on that for a long time. There are just certain uh, questions there, that there don't make many, sense. There are too many counterexamples to the materialist framework that I don't think materialism can hold holds. I don't right. think it holds uh, with how it's currently presented. I don't think it has enough explanatory power to make sense of like terminal lucidity or something like that. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, not even just uh, manifestations of of sort of uh, phenomena like like terminal lucidity, but even experiences in your own life. If you think about like a transcendent experience, there's no there's there is no. um, uh, You can't map joy on a graph. You can't, you you can't take something like joy and, and, and boil it
0: down to math. There are some things that cannot be articulated. Exactly. you can experience, but you just can't. Talk about in a proper way, or you just can't. And that's not for like lack of knowledge. Like sometimes we can have these types of like, as you said, transcendent experiences people have, where they just get like an impression or a feeling of something, but it's hard for them to lock down exactly what that is and what way and or contextualize it. Right. Um, I think a lot of people might be dismissive of those things. I'm not, um, uh, because obviously, you know, if you had that experience, you had that experience. Um, Sure. I think a lot of people would try to say, oh, well, where where did you get that experience from the where where's the data or the science? It's like, well, you're never going to find it there. (laughs) So it doesn't uh, exist. I don't know why you're asking. Uh, It's it's the kind
1: of question, too, of like, what what, what do you do with? I mean, for example, I mean, anyone can explain like, well, here's what happens. Okay, let's just for the sex, for an example. But here's what happens when you have sex. These are the hormonal realities. This is what goes on. Here's the electrochemical uh, sensations. Here's everything that
0: happens in the brain. None of that will tell you anything about the experience. It doesn't explain it. Anything. It will not tell you anything about it. Yeah, it it
1: doesn't explain it at all. It doesn't explain the experience of having sex.
0: If I'm holding a coffee cup, right? I could scientifically tell you that the heat from the coffee is making the atoms jitter around and expand uh, in the coffee and then that's bumping into the the uh, cup. The atoms are bumping into the atoms of the cup and then they're expanding uh, even more. And then they're the cup atoms from the cup are bouncing into my fingers and then they're expanding and we call this thing heat. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, But Nothing I explain there will ever tell you what it feels like to feel heat. Yeah,
1: you can't. <laughs> you you, know you can't. I mean? It doesn't explain what it feels like to be burned. It doesn't explain what it feels exactly. like that these the, the the deep sense experiences are transmitted electronically in the form, but there's something external that's processing them. It it has to be. You right. know what I mean?
0: Well, that's the thing though. Is that when you say like, you can say that. Well, when you're experiencing something, you could break it down as scientifically as you want it. You could say that, well, this is the reason that you're getting the experience you are. And maybe that's true, but that's not, say- that's not the same thing as the experience itself. That's not the same thing right. as, like, uh, the, the fact that I am experiencing something. How it, how it came about, like, what the physical manifestations of how it came to me is... You know, that's interesting, but it's not, it's not a- approaching the actual question at hand.
1: I could the use, over
0: the
1: I could use any number of methods to try and explain yeah. to you what that pizza tasted like. But if you've never yes. had it, you'll never know. Right. Like, Are I, you I, familiar with the thought
0: experiment, um, Mary's Room? Uh, not,
1: no, not by that name. Anymore.
0: Okay, so this is an idea that, um... Um is often used to kind of show that materialism has the 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 hard materialists have to be wrong. Um, and I, I think it's fairly convincing. Um, so the idea is that, right? so the hard materialists would say that everything that can be known can be known physically. we can we can break everything down. To matter and energy and motion yes and we can eventually discover the truth the truth of everything have a theory of everything the truth of everything it is a discoverable to us and we can know it uh, through science right through a scientific inquiry there might be some practical limitations but we c- on theory we could know everything yeah,
1: it's not theory. a claim just to just to kind of uh, sort of not even really steel man but just be more clear it's not a it's not a claim that science today can discover all of this it's a claim right. that all of this could at some point it be discoverable could
0: at some point. yes that's correct it could yeah. at some point be discoverable through science it's thousands of years into the future maybe hundreds of thousands of years into the future something like that um so yes i i appreciate that um the, the thought experiment mary's room is this let's say that uh mary uh, is a scientist um, and she studies colors. And w- when I say she studies colors, she studies the electromagnetic field, right? The the. <laughs> so, when you're doing this, you can describe the wavelength of what pe- when people say they're seeing like when when someone says, "Well, I'm shining this blue light," you can scientifically like study the wavelength of the light and determine right. uh, what blue is on the wavelength, right? Or what red is on the wavelength. Um But Mary is colorblind. So Mary knows everything about what the, this thing called blue is, scientifically down to the wavelength, and what and everything. right? Um, but she's colorblind. But one day, her colorblindness is cured, let's say. And now she sees blue for the first time, right? Um, Mary has now discovered something new through her experience that she never could have, scientifically. She has discovered what blue is.
1: Experiencing blue. Lot. Experiencing blue is different from knowing blue.
0: Understand. Yes, correct. Experiencing blue is different from understanding the physical parameters of blue. So this would, this thumb experiment would, I think it's pretty convincing to show that you can gain exclusive knowledge through experience that you cannot attain
2: physically. So the idea then, the idea then
1: that science, the the, the, the notion that science can explain all of these things. Uh, it, it, what I'm what I'm trying to get at. I should organize my thoughts better. What I'm trying to get at is: is this a limitation of language, as opposed to or and communication? as opposed to a limitation on uh, materialism. What, what, what I'm asking is, is, is it possible that we just haven't found the right method of communication to transmit experience?
0: Um, well, I, I... What do you mean... So you think, what do you mean by transmit experience? Because it feels like when you were saying that, like... like I don't think you could ever transmit direct experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. Uh, you can well, transmit. The f- well, the what I'm, what I'm basically asking is experience. let's say,
1: let's say you have this science fiction helmet that you put on and it's connected to yeah. a science fiction helmet. That's that's on someone else's head. And, yeah. and when you think of that pizza, they taste it. Is it yeah, just, is it just because language. we haven't, you don't think that's okay. Whoa, 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 hold on. I was about to go. I was about to go way farther, okay. but explain that you don't think that's language. What do you mean?
0: No, No, because language is about language is an external tool we use to communicate concepts that we experience. If I can just transmute my experience into yours, that is still relying on them to be able to experience it. So they are still getting exper like experiential knowledge from an experience. They're not getting it from a scientific or objective standpoint.
1: And I I don't think it would be fair to say that they've tasted the pizza either. You know what I mean?
0: They've tasted uh,
1: your memory of the taste of the pizza.
0: Well, and that dep- I think that would depend on if your memory is accurate to the taste of the pizza. If it is, then I would say they tasted the pizza. Um, or they had they tasted the taste of the pizza, I guess. right? Right. Uh, yeah, because it's, um, it's
1: a degree of separation regardless.
0: Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I think language is a practical tool that we use because we can't transmute experience. Okay, so I, don't I, think just, I just, I just meant,
1: don't... I was just using language as, as a, uh, in in terms of like a means of communication. So like a, a means okay. of transmitting that from one person to another. I,
0: I get you. I get you. Sure. I, I think that like in your in in your thought experiment, I think that's. Yeah, I, I think you could do that, but I don't see how that would that, that doesn't get science any closer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like that doesn't make, it, it still uh,
1: seems separated because it seems to me that it's entirely it still possible. It relies on
2: experience.
1: It does. It, it, that is absolutely true. It does rely entirely on experience, and it seems to me that it's possible. Given that uh, my view of reality is that is that we do experience through a filter, that we don't have an, yes. an experience of reality. We experience what we think, think is real right we we have a we you know all that the the
2: the, it makes it's still separated
1: because I don't know and it would be very interesting to see that if you made the neurons fire in someone else's brain with the same hormonal balance and the same everything all of the electrochemical properties
0: accounted for right
1: would they be tasting the same thing
0: i don't know but I, I still think even if you assume that that that's still not going to get you to science um discovering experience do you know what i mean like sure. it might be able to like mimic it or puppet it in in some way but it can never describe it in any any coherent way that it makes can sense never like you can never object like you know what i mean because it still relies on that person's experience Of the other person's experience to experience it exactly like (laughs) it's still prime it's still lower than the science uh, a little bit it's still more primordial uh, or like primary um so yeah i so i i think it's important to realize that once you kind of understand that it kind of like uh makes it so yeah so you cannot say that science can answer everything because if mary's room is is persuadable which I think it is uh, then you have to accept that experience can teach you things that science can just not because no amount of science will ever be able to tell you what blue looks like uh, right. right so like uh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah
1: it's such a, it's, a so it's, it's such a fascinating thing but I do think there's uh, I mean just like that kind of to loop back around on it it does it does seem to me that uh the, the concept of self-ownership in the way that I think about it comes from the fact that the mind is the owner.
0: Yeah. You I, know I, what I mean? I, I, tend to, I tend to agree with that. I, I tend to see the mind as having a, a, a superordinate position in the hierarchy of being, right? So it's, yes, the, most important,
1: exactly.
0: it's the most important function of you. You have a hand, But I don't think it's I don't think it's correct to say that that hand is you Uh, right if you lost, as I said before, if you lost your hand, uh, you may have less of a body, but I don't necessarily would say that you were less of a you (laughs) you were less of a person in there, Um, right, you know what I mean. See, it's really interesting to have to think about. And I tend to, also on the property rights thing, this is just a little, uh, a little thing I have, but I think a lot of times when people talk about it, I, I think it'd almost be more coherent to say that, and people always say, and Rothbard said this, people always say, well, all rights are property rights, which I, when they say it, I get what they mean, and they're they're right. Uh, but I would say that all rights are self-ownership rights, because pro, the right to own, uh, the, the right to have a, a right in your being itself, a right to have a right to your property, It requires you to be a self in the first place.
1: Yes, it's, it's, it's not, I was about to say it's recursive. It's not recursive. It's dependent upon the, the being.
0: Self being there, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's dependent upon existing (laughs) And, and being and, and, and the self as a, as a, uh, being extant.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um anyway philosophical zombies exist and they follow brooklyn dad defiant uh the
0: (laughs) i guess i started with alex jones and went on to phenomenology
1: (laughs) i think alex jones would appreciate that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um well i'm very glad that that conversation went in that direction um yeah because that is fascinating shit and it's not at all political (laughs)
0: No, not <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy that, yeah. That's excellent.
2: Um,
1: okay. Well, uh holy shit. That's exhausting. Plugs? Do you have plugs?
0: <laughs> uh yeah, just uh my um Oh yeah, I, I don't remember if I plugged this last week. I'll plug it again anyway. Um uh Patrick McFarland from the Libertarian Institute and Antiwar.com dot uh, com made a documentary, Why Johnny Can't Kill. Um it's about like refuting the um The idea of like that human nature is inherently brutal and violent and that humans are just like essentially warlike and designed to kill and we have no preoccupations with like killing our fellow man um and he really like tackles this in his doc in the uh, documentary you can find it on liberty weekly or i think he changed his uh youtube to vital descent now vital descent yes yeah why johnny can't kill He gives like um, historical accounts going all all the way back to the Greco-Roman period, all the way to like the Civil War to modern day, and talks about like how people, uh, soldiers in the front lines actually sometimes would like intentionally miss their shots. uh, Oh, yeah. And like, and the, there were more casualty numbers when soldiers were farther away than when they were closer face-to-face there is a whole uh,
1: school of thought in military history that that uh hand-to-hand combat in in the era of you know like you know the persian empire and stuff like that that hand-to-hand combat actually these battles would have been incredibly short because you would have right. you might have these two armies clash and one would rout immediately right like there's a and there's also, a that's there's, a whole school of thought that exists in military it, history yeah
0: and I'm not I'm not saying this is like 100 percent, but I, there's a theory also that the, you know, spear and shield um, uh, like the, with phalanxes. Uh, that was designed to almost obscure the enemy while killing them.
1: Yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes that perfect sense. A theory
0: behind that in order to increase it, it was obviously, you know, strategically more effective, but it was also psychologically more effective, they think, too. Right. Uh, it you, it so might
1: it, increase your lethality if you just have to stab through a slot in a shield. And you don't see a, who you're stabbing.
0: That's right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he, he goes into this and shows that human nature is actually not all uh, bad and violent. Like some people, <laughs> Hobbs would have you. Yeah, Hobbs was wrong. Yeah, Hobbs was wrong. And, yeah, was wrong. Uh, and it, it's really good. So go go check that out. Um, uh, other than that, you can find me at um, Ace underscore Arcus on Twitter and com. That's it. What about your friend?
1: Excellent, my friend, Pacing Joska on Twitter, J O U S K A. Certainly not me. Um, <laughs> Pacing Joska's on Twitter, uh, and then we have. I'm trying to think of. Oh yeah, of course. I, I believe I talked about it on the last episode, but I'll say it again. My appearance on the uh, on Rebel with a Cause show with Eric, uh, great guy. I really like him. Um, yeah. And we talked a little bit more about the Alex Jones thing with some of the some of the earlier news that didn't get covered here with regard to that. Uh, was talked about on that episode. So definitely go get that go give that a listen. And uh I think that's probably all I have to say.
0: All right. Well, we'll we'll see you guys on Halloween.
1: All right. Oh yeah, it is. Hey. It will be Halloween. Yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, until then, peace y'all. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.